Ugh, remnants of zombie Larigo. The pine cell won't get it up. I really do not get how the ghost of a 10-pound cat managed this, especially when Coda didn't know how to hunt while he was alive. Bastard would just stare at a rat, sniff it, and walk away in disgust. Anyway, after this is done, we need to watch Jungle Fury. Oh, right, that thing we do every month. You know, after Operation Overdrive, I just kind of feel drained, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Let's just eat the leftover candy and get it over with. 32 episodes later. I forgot the bowl replenished itself, but hey, this is way better than the last show. Shh, I'm trying to watch. Hi, I'm RJ's weird and possibly burnt taste bud Sid. And I'm the ghost of a hot girl with penguin powers, Ashley. And this is Rangers playing where Sid, lifelong Power Rangers fan, that's me, takes Power Rangers sophomore Ashley through the world of Power Rangers. This month we're unleashing our animal spirits with Jungle Fury! <laughs> What's Jungle Fury about? When their master is killed after a chest containing the ancient evil of Daishi is opened, Paishwa's students, Casey, Lily, and Theo, are sent to the city of Ocean Bluff to meet their new master and continue their studies. Expecting another old man, they instead get the easygoing wolf master, amateur science, and pizza chef RJ, who gives them access to the morphing grid to become Power Rangers. When they find out their fellow student Jared has been possessed by Daishi, however, it becomes personal as the three set out to master their animal spirits and protect the world. So yeah, we've officially gotten to our writer strike season! Uh, which, if you guys are unaware of that, uh, there was a time in about 2007-2008 when the Writers Guild of America went on strike and therefore all of television was affected. Uh, the strike lasted for about, I would say, two months and it was over, um, basically new media that was coming, new media, quote, quote, that was coming up, so basically streaming. And, um, I'm kind of surprised they haven't gone on strike again, because the deal that they got that time was just not that great. Yeah. I mean, we're having the one strike going on right now. Or possibly. Well, it's, it's, yeah. They they still have to ratify the contract. But, yeah, so, so this particular one, uh, basically they had to kind of rush to get a few of the episodes done for Jungle Fury. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of the episodes were written by, um sort of were written by non-union writers until the strike was over. Some were scab writers, and then, though, so let, let's put that yeah, out there. Yeah, that's what I was saying. And then, um, so according to our, our, our old friends at the Ranger Wiki, basically what the original writers, when they came back to work, had to kind of figure out where to pick up after all of that. So another thing that marked the writer strike, if you watch TV during that time period, is just how 
god-awful a lot of things are. Yeah, because everybody was kind of rushing to finish their um, assignments before the strike authorization, like, basically the strike started. And then, so you have a lot of shortened seasons, you have a lot of, like, plot lines that just kind of start and then don't really go anywhere. I think one of my favorite writer strike, like, examples was the first season of Pushing Daisies versus the second. Not because I feel like there was a dip in quality so much, but, like, literally, they were supposed to get the full 22 episode season, but due to the fact that, like, the writer strike happened, they just, ABC decided to go back on that. So, literally, the last episode they turned in before the writer strike revealed this huge twist. And, you know, with the expectation that they would not be, you know, gone that long and they would be able to pick it back up, it picked up in the second season, which was not guaranteed at the time, but, like, there was a whole year between when, you know, this character on the show gives away this whole big plot twist and then the next season. I kind of, uh, I remember one of the shows that deeply got affected, uh, affected by it was Heroes, if anyone remembers NBC's Heroes. Oh, God, yeah, the show starring Natalie Maines' is husband <laughs> And Calvin Timeline Spock. Yeah, that too. But uh, basically, like, Heroes was a huge hit when it first came out. Uh, really, really solid first season and everything. And in the second season, giant dip in quality because uh, of what was going on. And, uh, you know, we supported the writer's strike at the time. But it was just kind of like, it's just a weird, fascinating era of television. Just simply because, like, telev- like television and somewhat movies were, uh, were were getting affected by this. Yeah, mostly television with that regard. Um, I think another thing, another fa- fascinating kind of archive that you can easily find online is when uh, it, it affected late night television really a whole lot. Because their writers were all union. And those are things that need to be produced and written daily. So basically you had... Uh, Stephen Colbert, John Stewart, Conan O'Brien, Jay Leno, a few others that they had to return to work before the writers did. And so there is this whole thing going on between Conan O'Brien, Stephen Colbert, and John Stewart all trying to fill time on their shows. And it ended up with this weird rivalry quote quote about Mike who really created Mike Huckabee. I, I, I can't really properly explain it. It was just all things that they did to try to fill time and be entertaining. Yeah, it's just, it, it, it was definitely a fascinating era. Um, you know, just because, like, Hollywood was trying to be, you know, themselves, which is horrible business. And then, you know, part of their, part of who makes the magic of Hollywood goes on strike. And then they're like, oh, no, no, you actually do need right. them. You know, it's like, wow, this is all weird. Uh, but Jungle Fury actually, like, holds up as one of the better things from that era television-wise. Honestly, it's kind of surprising. It, it really is. Like, you wouldn't have guessed, I feel, that there was, like, a huge production thing going on that would have actually caused any, like, any problems. Because it, 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 you would think that more for Operation Overdrive, Right? Honestly. Like, that one feels like a writer strike season. So, yeah, that was kind of the big thing, and you, and you can't. Yeah, we'll go we'll go into that a little bit. Um is yeah, this was a lot more coherent than the last yeah. season. Um this was also one of the last this was actually the last of the seasons produced by Bruce Callish. Yeah. Which Sid can tell you more uh, about that than I can. I never really heard anything outside of just like Disney was planning to can the show. Okay. I and- which you know, make kind of tracks with Disney is like even if something is making money, if they're just not interested in it. 
they will just move on. Especially because, like, I'm kind of surprised Power Rangers lasts as long as it did after Eisner got ousted, honestly. Just because it was definitely a remnant of the bad ABC family deal and one of his many uh, capes and japes, as it were. (laughs) Um... I'm still in the middle of reading Disney War because it. I just started a new job and that book is fucking massive. So I will be done by the time we get to our Disney era overview. But there is kind of a running theme where somebody who like works in production or a lower executive position at Disney really believes in a project. But then you take it up to the higher executives like Eisner or Katzenberg or I guess, well, Katzenberg just got fired right at the point where I am at the book. So you'd also have Bob Iger, uh, who was running uh, Disney for most of the years Power Rangers was on. You get there and they'll just be like, I don't get it. Like, what's the big deal about this? Like, they didn't believe in the animation division when they came on board. Um, Katzenberg famously wanted them to, like, cut, uh, Part of Your World out of Little Mermaid. Uh, Katzenberg didn't think that anybody would watch The Mighty Ducks because, quote-unquote, nobody cares about hockey. Like, there's just this famous level of disconnect at Disney that, yeah, I feel like whoever was working on Power Rangers at the time, like Kalish and all of that... They clearly believed in what they were doing, but I'm fairly certain, like, executives like Bob Iger could not give any any more of a shit. Yeah, it was, because it's like, the next season is done, I think that was the first, um, thing done by that, like, by that show. Like, this this person was just like a, I'm trying to remember, I remember his first name's Eddie. Uh, and first thing, this is, I believe, his first executive producer slash showrunner credit, because he mostly was just a writer on some of their other Mm -hmm. shows. And they're like, do whatever you want. So yeah, it just sounds like Disney being Disney, just folding it. They were like, we're, we're done with having you run the show while we're canning the show. And we're just going to throw it to the wind next yeah. season. Um, so a lot of this season, it's kind of interesting because the action of the episodes are driven along by like continuing villain escalation, similar to Lightspeed Rescue, where like, literally it would be like oh you know daishi has possessed jared and we have our generals here that will take care of things oh but the generals keep getting beaten by the power rangers so we're gonna find new generals and start the process all over again until like the final set of generals tries to kill camille yeah it definitely it wasn't like uh what was the name of that show secession the way the villains were in Lightspeed Rescue, it wasn't like Secession. Uh, all the rich white folks are going to argue, but only one wolf's gonna win a kiss from daddy. Yeah, that's pretty much <laughs> You can describe Lightspeed Rescue's, like, villain Oh, arcs. God, but yeah, just kind of, like, change the words to be about Banshira. <laughs> yes. But, uh, this was just more of, like, how ruthless Daishi right. was. I'm just like, oh, you guys don't work well die and we'll replace right. you um so and then oh but we're, i was about to say it weirdly made it more coherent than the last season that tried to do that yeah like i feel like they had a better understanding of what they needed to do to kind of have a villain escalation arc and i think part of that was to have the characters have our, our main characters our heroes have like interpersonal drama that they needed to kind of oh, figure yeah. out there's a lot of that this season where um you know, I'd still say it's about, like, Power Rangers where the characters don't have, like, 
huge growth arcs or like something they gotta like conquer but there's a lot of like a lot of like episodes that deal with kind of interpersonal things and they they do stick and and leave growth through the Mm -hmm. season um sort of right that sort of it definitely did because uh well we can we can segue into that and start talking about that with uh our characters with Casey Rhodes, our Red Ranger and Tiger Spirit dude. Yeah, so uh, similar to kind of Jack and SPD, he is kind of the rookie Red. Um, so he actually just started at the Paishwa Academy like two weeks before uh, everything in the series happens. And like yeah. he, you know, basically he's the lowest on the ladder. He ha- is basically catching towels for everybody. They call him, everybody calls him a cub because I guess that's his designation. Yeah, he was. He he's paying his dues as a right. wrestler, <laughs> or uh, <laughs> he's setting up the ring and making sure the veterans feel okay. Yeah, and it's like I'm just remembering uh, Yuki Nagasato, who is a who's a soccer player. Actually, she played for the Japanese national women's team many years ago before she decided. Uh, you know what? I hate this. I'm just gonna play soccer for what makes me happy. Yuki Nagasato is awesome, but I remember she posted like once fairly recently about like. How when she was a young player on the Japanese national team, she had to, like, wake up early every morning and go draw the lines on the field with chalk. So apparently that just carries over to any sort of, like, sport. Is like, you have the younger players, like, having to, like, make sure that the older ones are, like, taken care of as part of paying their dues. Yeah, like, the the young lions have to, like, I think, prepare meals and stuff at the dojo yeah. for people. Yeah, he was basically just paying his dues. Yeah, so, but then he sort of gets, uh, when Jared, who we'll get to him soon enough, is kind of a dick to him, and Casey stands up for himself, uh, their master, uh, Mal, is just basically like, Hey, Jared, you're not gonna have the tiger spirit, I'm gonna give it to this new guy. <laughs> this new guy who I, I saw the tiger spirit yeah. from. So, uh, so that sets everything off. Um, yeah. So, kind of as a result of that, a lot of Casey's arcs kind of deal with his insecurity about being the new guy on the team and how, yeah, like, he's like, sort of like, as a result, reluctant to take leadership or feels like he, you know, his own leadership is in danger. Like, we'll get to that in a second. Or it's, or you know, he's butting heads with some of them. Uh, I remember kind of the first one that kind of dealt with this was, like, Casey was trying to master weaponry, and he just kind of butted heads with Theo a little bit. It was more of a Theo episode, but it definitely dealt with kind of that insecurity of, uh, like, I'm just a beginner here. Or, like, when he became, when uh, RJ just assigned him to be boss of the store, Mm -hmm. and Casey's response was to just devy out the responsibilities and not actually take charge. And then, like... That one, because the one episode that I can say I just, I didn't really like about this series, it was a Casey-focused one, because it was right after RJ, like, became a ranger and joined the team, that he thought that, like, RJ was kind of undermining his own leadership, and it's like, Casey, we've been over this, like, six times! Yeah, also, like, RJ's your mentor, and the current master of your team so, like, him training Lily and Theo, and to, by extension, you, and making sure you guys do that, that's part of his job as a mentor. Like, RJ kind of lets you 
be in charge in the battle, even though I don't think anyone really takes charge in the battle, which is yeah. Weird. Now I think like the big culmination of this arc is yeah. Well, yeah, because for the most part, you're right. Is that like Casey doesn't really show nobody on the team really shows any like leadership like qualities. Not that doesn't no, that doesn't sound right. More of like what I think I'm meaning here is that like. Because, you know, in past seasons where they say, well, you're the Red Ranger, so therefore you're the leader of the team, Wild Force. Um, (laughs) So, like, I I guess it's just sort of assumed that he's the the leader because he's the Red Ranger. I don't know. But, like, yeah, even as much as they talk about Casey being the quote unquote leader of the team, like, there's nothing really in the series that specifically says, oh, yeah, like, you're our leader now. Unless I'm forgetting something. Yeah, it's... No, they did definitely have more of, like, an anarchist commune approach. I guess, because it's, like, anarchy has no... Anarchy is the opposite of hierarchy. Mm -hmm. Quick lesson on that. It does not mean no roles. It just means there is no hierarchy. So it's just... they, They act like they have no hierarchy or any structure like that. They just learn from RJ and then figure out what to do with a monster together. Um, Um, But yeah, especially I think Casey's insecurity arc kind of has its big culmination towards the end of the series with his, uh, when his, with his master test. Um, Yeah. Basically it's the whole thing where Casey, Lily and Theo test to see if they are officially now Paishwa masters. And like initially like Theo and Lily pass, but Casey doesn't. And so he kind of has to, like, go on this personal journey to kind of, like, one, assess why he didn't, like, pass the test, but also kind of redeem, like, help redeem Jared and, like, his own guilt about that. I think it was because the whole thing about, like, oh, a Paishwa leader doesn't follow. They just know. Yeah, that was kind of the whole thing is, you know, as much as it kind of is cryptid, like, cryptid, the Paishwa, you know, bastard is not a, you know... They they lead, they don't follow. It does go into he had to have confidence in himself to be a Paishwa master. Right. And by at the beginning of the test, going to RJ and being like, I don't know what to do. How do I pass? Right. Like it sets off this whole thing. And because he was confident enough to deny Master mm-hmm. Mal on the whole Master Mal was like, You can't get Jared back. And he's like, Fuck you, I can, old cat man. Yeah, I just, I, I love that uh, that entire arc is just basically Mal going, guilt, guilt, guilt. <laughs> As you busted, <laughs> guilt. Um, but yeah, Casey, Casey sets his own road and it makes a confident decision. And uh, that's kind of the underlying thing, even though, yeah, they put a weird kind of like, oh, you you must be a leader and not a follower. Yeah, so I think because that is ultimately kind of, that's what I mean by it's the ultimate culmination of his arc, is that he is confident enough in yeah. his, like, own, following his own arrow, as it was, to, to quote yeah. Casey Musgraves, uh, to yeah. be like, no, I I know that this is the thing I must do. I'm a, I've seen the good in Jared. I can, like... It's it's the it's the Luke Skywalker gambit, you know. I've seen the good in him. I can help save him. <laughs> yeah, that's and and like like you said, it definitely like because he does start out just so insecure about who he is, particularly because he he did just start at Pai yeah. and like now like with through that he gained confidence to actually pull like pull through and and actually yeah pay off with his Luke Skywalker game yeah and like by the end he is like teaching kids and also Jared and Camille like 
Paishwa at the academy, or the dojo, rather. I keep calling it an academy. It's probably more close to being a dojo. Yeah, it's actually hinted at that uh, Jared does teach the lion style. It's just they both decided to enter the tiger style, which is kind of kind of nice, yeah. I think, especially for Camille, which we'll get to her because C- Camille deserves yes. nice things. One of the things that it does define me is he's, he's a very like fiery spirit, like, you know, like a tiger. He's fierce, but he's very soft, like. You know, he obviously like obviously he's the one that goes gets Jared and turns him to the good mm-hmm. side. Um, but he shows a lot of compassion for his friends and everything. So I like I kind of like that whole. I like characters that are all like, uh, "Try me, bitch," but also I love my right. friends. Uh, he, he, we just I just put he's the better C <laughs> Rhodes because I just love ribbing on Cody. Yeah, it's like I I don't think Cody listens to our podcast, but I just imagine Cody somewhere just being like, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> Why can't you like me? Like it's because because you're a tryhard, Cody. Yeah, Cody is the tryest tryhard who ever tryhard. Yeah, it's like Cody just just enter like it's so funny to me about Cody. Just real quick, that Stardust is just such a a better iteration of him or anything where you're allowed to be a theater right. kid and now he's trying to be serious i'm like go back to being a dumb theater kid that's where you right. shine and it's definitely not gonna happen with armed anderson over there <laughs> uh, maybe and, and you know maybe he just needs his, his chance to turn someone to the good side or something right. <laughs> just instead of master mal it's arnie right. anderson <laughs> It's okay. So moving on to our next character, unless we have anything else we want to say about Casey. Nah, K- Casey's cool. So moving on to our next character, we have Lily Chillman, aka the Yellow Ranger of the Cheetah Spirit. And she is a, a pure cinnamon roll. Too good for this world. <laughs> She's such the empathy driver of, of the group. Um, I think I, I said earlier, I said to you, they tried to do the Kirk, what's kind of called the Kirk, Spock, McCoy uh, situation with mm-hmm. the trio where um, somebody's the empathy, somebody's the logic, and somebody synergizes the two. I feel like Casey's the synergy of the two, and Lily is the empathy and and, and emotion, which just it just and she's the less crabby McCoy, yeah. And so, I mean, a lot of her arcs due to her just being so empathetic and so loving and so like wanting to see the best in everyone is that a lot of her arcs deal with how that can get her in trouble as well as how it's her strength. Um, yeah. Specifically, like, there's two that really pop out in my head in terms of, like, Lily arcs is one being kind of the one the later season that feels like it's a rehash of an old, like, Zeo. It was either Zeo or Turbo plotline. I think it was Zeo. I, I know it had to do with, like, oh, what's his face? Lieutenant Stone's a dot, like, Daughter or something? I think it was his niece. Yeah, his niece. Uh, again with yeah. the nieces. So, I, I, so yeah, it was like Lieutenant Stone's niece, who was just like she was a dancer, and like she needed help with, like she was having trouble at home, and she needed help with preparing to for this audition for a like performing arts college or something like that. That's the best I can recall this plot. I'm not gonna go look it up right at the second. Um, <laughs> but you, you pretty much yeah, recalled it. So, so yeah, it feels like a rehash of that plot kind of where lily is helping train master fant's niece for like a dance competition but her his niece is very insecure in terms of like she doesn't like anybody watching things she does because she's wor- she's so ang- anxious about failure 
And so, Big yeah, food. same. So Lily kind of, you know, helps her talk through it and gives her the confidence to, like, go into the competition. And she eventually gets second place. And the sad turnaround is that Lily isn't able to go and watch her because of Ranger stuff. Yeah. Um, but that's a big, like, that was a big storyline of, like, how, like, that shows a lot of who Lily is as a person. Yeah. And to some extent, like, her stuff pays off at the end with Camille. Mm, yeah. Because she was, uh, one of her first centric episodes had to deal with Camille, I forgot, I think she was ousted or something, and she had to be human for a while. Yeah, something like that. And or, like, I, I just know that it involved Camille having to disguise herself as a human. She basically goes to Jungle uh, Karma Pizza and just, you know, puts her boots on the table and, you know, acts like an right. asshole. And Lily befriends her this entire time and talks to her and everything. And, like, the end of that episode, it's Camille kind of has, like, oh, no, I'm evil and I will always be evil. But there's kind of, like, a hint that maybe there's more there. And they're like, oh, Lily, you know, you try and you always see the good in people, but... The payoff definitely comes in the later seasons when Camille starts showing kind of, um, you know, compassion in a way. And, lo- and like, especially since Daishi, like, Jared's showing her compassion mm-hmm. and everything. She's starting to get a bit more confident yeah. in herself. And, and, and it's it's kind of one of those, like, she she's starting to show who she is. And uh, I feel like part of her turning to the good side was actually Lily's earlier interactions. Oh, for sure. And yeah, because Lily is kind of the first to see that she is not, yeah, that she's not an entirely bad person. That she just needs yeah. to kind of like trust herself more and maybe see the good in other people. One of the things she pointed out is like she just needed a yeah, friend. Yeah, like, and Lily was willing to be that friend. And I think she never really stops believing in Camille, even if like there's not a major sort of like other episode about that. Yeah, because the, the person when Casey's like, I gotta go save Jared, uh, Lily. Makes the argument that Jared's always been evil, but does not make that for Camille, I right. believe. Um, which so. I, I feel like for, like, Lily, that had to be hard for her to even say about, you know, Jared. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, uh, like, a lot of times that you just see her, and then, like, one of the, ep- uh, see her where her empathy just is her biggest strength. Uh, and then one of the episodes, she gets, like, a pin that makes her a bad girl. Oh my god, that episode. <laughs> That episode's so funny, but everyone gets to see kind of, like, they are, they, uh, I don't know if it's like, they take advantage, they realize, oh, do we take advantage of Lily or anything? But they, it's definitely like, no, we need her as that heart of the group. And it's just so funny about, like, her, just, her whole bad girl thing is just so ridiculous. Because it does, it does definitely come across, like, you know, somebody who is, like, so sweet and so, like, innocent, trying their best to be, like, a badass. (laughs) (laughs) yes um and um and fran was one of the people that ended up like helping her out of it because fran's like i'm not afraid of you it's it's really adorable and like she has no memory of it once she gets like comes to and it's all because like this evil porcupine uh monster or whatever like got it her his pins in her and like rj managed to get most of them out except for one so it was making her kind of like an asshole yes (laughs) um yeah, but uh, that kind of leads into our, our uh, one of the things we said is she has big sapphic energy with Camille and Fran. Yeah, like, because I would watch the way she interacted with, like, 
those two versus like interacting with Theo and it just sort of like you're kind of like gay for them I think yeah like like the end of the one episode we just talked about like uh Fran puts on the leather jacket and tells the other like the the other two guys like ah get back to work and be all hard like hard ass on them and they leave and you know her and Lily just kind of giggle about it (laughs) And, you know, Fran often shows a lot of, like, compassion and love towards Lily in the same. But also, like, yeah, that episode with Camille, we were just like, yay! I, I think we just got the feeling, it's like, Camille, why don't you just leave Daishi for Lily? Yeah. It's like, that makes more sense. <laughs> that makes way more sense. Just go go leave Daishi for Lily. Um, And, yeah, we kind of thought she has, like, the deep and long friendship with Theo, which we'll get into more when we do talk about Theo, but, like, yeah, they've known each other for years, and uh, eventually that gets into a relationship. So I guess we'll talk about Theo now. Yeah, so Theo is, you know, he's our blue ranger, Theo Martin. Uh, he has the jaguar spirit. Bortles! And he is kind of our logical and often cranky one of the team, and because it often, he's the one who's all, always kind of overachieving, and oftentimes, like, Whenever somebody messes up, he's just sort of like, ugh, about it. Or if somebody's yeah, not doing just... what he wants them to do, he's just like, oh, you're not doing it right. Which, that entire thing kind of gave us the whole, um, what is it we said? He is the former gifted kid with un- the undiagnosed ADHD slash autism combo. Yeah, he just, he, he definitely comes off as like, an ADHD autistic person mm-hmm. who was a former gifted kid who just tried to overachieve at everything. Uh, which, yeah, like, and it goes into a lot of his arcs, like, again, the overachiever thing with, like, mas- when he ends up with Master Swoop mm-hmm. and training for his new weapon. Uh, he, like, he has to learn to focus on one thing instead of focus, instead of trying to multitask and do everything at once. And... You know, uh, there was kind of the episode, again, with Casey, where he's like, ah, Casey, why can't you just learn how to use nunchucks? Until until Lily was like, you know, you used to suck at nunchucks until someone taught you properly. And that allowed Theo and Casey to really bond. Um, And, but there's also his other, is just like his jealousy issues, um, it was, like, another part, like, with him trying to get used to Casey mm-hmm. because he was just so used to just being Lily. He was just so used to everything being Lily and Theo all the time that, you know, Casey and her in the mix, he's like, ah, I don't like you. He's like, this makes me feel weird and I don't know why. It's because you want to kiss Casey. <laughs> <laughs> like, the show says he wants to kiss Lily, but, like, like Tex says otherwise. I- I almost want to get into the shipping later of this franchise, because a lot of people are like, oh, like, RJ and Casey, and I'm like, I wanted Theo and Casey the kids. Yeah. Like, because you had kind of, like, the, the like, uh, you, you know, they're at odds, but they also work together type situation. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's a lot of his stuff is just, he has to learn to kind of go with the flow, or deal with some, like, deal with change and stuff like that, and it and lighten up in a lot of ways. And it kind of culminates in the end where, like, one, Theo does eventually get the confidence to ask Lily mm-hmm. out, uh, which was like, wow, you guys touched on this later. Yeah, because, like, <laughs> like, you said it, they set it up way at the beginning, and then we're they like... They would touch <clears throat> on it, like, sometimes in the middle of the season, and then forget about it, and then towards the end of the season, they're just like, wow, like, um, we totally remembered that this happened. 
Though, like, (laughs) I think the one interesting Theo, like, episode that kind of, like, dealt with a lot of his own sort of insecurities that didn't involve any of the other rangers was when the episode he found out he had a twin brother. Oh, that was great. Like, that was another one, because, like, his twin brother is the complete opposite, like, guy of him. Like, he goes on adventures, he lives on the fly, and, like, Theo's like, no, stuff must be planned and everything, and just kind of how... Each of them are jealous of the other and kind of have to, like, realize it's like, no, nah, no, nah, it's like, we, we don't hate each other. We're just very different people. But we're also, like, jealous that the fact that both of us lead these really cool lives that we don't even realize. Yeah, because, like, because I think it was, his name, his brother's name was Loon, right? Yeah. Yeah, because it's like, he talked about, like, you know, Theo's jealous of the fact that, like, he was able to go out and do all these big adventures while, like, Loon was, like, jealous of the fact that, like, Theo was so good at, like, everything he does. Yeah. Definitely a grass greener on the other side. But yeah, Theo, like, it's, like, more at the end, I feel, is, like, Theo's more relaxed at the Mm -hmm. end. He's even joking with Dominic at the end at some bits. Yeah, considering the fact that he was such a hard-ass about Dom when Dom joined the team is kind of impressive. Yeah, so it definitely, like, his arc more or less goes into how he's loosened up and more a part of a team than trying to be leader or basically being that overachieving former gifted right. kid. And, like, as we did mention, like, he does end up with Lily at the end, or at least, like, he's able to ask her on a date. Like, I don't know if they ever, like, follow up on that in the comics or anything like that. But, you know, for most of the season, when, like, when he is you know, into Lily, but, like, hasn't been able to, like, say anything to her. Like, he's not a brony friendzoni about it. Or just like, yeah, why will she be with me? She, he's just sort of like, listen, like, she's not into me. Like, I lost my chance. And then, like, Fran actually calls him out on is like, well, you have, have you tried asking her out? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like, why did she read my mind? Oh, well, I failed. So the, uh, try actually talking the, the, to her. The typical lesbian method. I am familiar. <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, it was just kind of, like, they set it up at the whole beginning, uh, because it was part of that episode dealing with, like, him having to get used to the dynamic with Mm -hmm. Casey, uh, being there was the long-standing lunch appointment. (laughs) And it's somewhere the series was just like, oh, yeah, we forgot about that lunch appointment. Let's try to push it as, like, a date thing. And, uh... Yeah, I don't I don't know where it goes from here, but uh it was just kind of like, oh wow, heterosexuality. That's a thing. That's a thing that just reared its head here and uh he should have smooched Casey in my opinion. <laughs> For real. Um but yeah. you know, wasn't a brony friendzoni about it. So, will you appreciate that for Theo? Yeah, that was I I I honestly th- think that was a good thing. Like Obviously, one, have the confidence to talk to people about how you feel about them is a good lesson mm-hmm. to, for kids. But the other the other lesson of just like you don't you can't possess people is also a good right. lesson. Um so yeah, Th- Theo's whole arc was like a little bit more personal for him, but you see a do pay off in the la- later bit of the oh, series. For sure. Um so now we we're going to our mentor and wolf ranger, Robert James, who is RJ. Look. And, uh, that's a double nut button from the both of us. Because, oh no, he's hot. We were just, we were just talking about how hot he was the entire series. Yeah, because it's like, I saw, like, as soon as, like, he entered in the first episode, I was just like, oh no. Oh no. He's just, he's just hot. He has, like, stoner Alex Shelley mm-hmm. vibes. We're just like, oh it's no. like, yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> he has the wolf spirit, uh, which I, I found interesting because I think they were setting up like, oh, he's the lone wolf, but he actually like shows that he loves having friends around and stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's really just the lone wolf in the sense that like he had to break away from like, you know, what his dad wanted of him. Because uh, like, okay, so it's, we're going slightly off our notes here. I mean, it's in our notes. We're just jumping ahead of like, so one of like, RJ's big emotional arcs in the series is when everybody's kind of getting their secondary training about, let's say, like, part, like, ha- nearly halfway through. And, like, no, pretty, I feel like yeah. early, actually. It's like the first, first, it's before he's a right. ranger. So, like, right before he becomes a ranger, um, he, like, his dad, who is a Paishwa master by the name of Master Finn, who teaches shark style and has the shark spirit. Master Fant, who is an elephant. Master Spook, who is a bat. <laughs> Master Master Mao, who is a, a cat. We'll get into that in a bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, so his dad comes to teach like Casey how to like master shark style, and like it kind of makes RJ feel weird because his dad is kind of a dick to him because RJ, instead of being like, I'm going to be a shark like my father before me and his father before him, is like, no, I'm going to go find my own animal spirit. And uh, it was very yeah, gay. that whole episode. <laughs> like, George brought this up online. Shout out to George. We know you're listening. Um, uh, is that, uh, So George brought this up about, like, everybody's been arguing if that episode was a coming out episode for, like, ages. And I'm, I was like, okay, like, we'll see, because Power Rangers sometimes feels like that. Sometimes it's, you know, weird fandom interpretation. And I watched that episode, I'm like, oh no, this episode could definitely be seen as a coming out episode. Dad, you couldn't accept me for who I am, which is totally not coded for being right. gay. It's just like, okay. But then, like, at the end, his dad is just like, huh, you found, your, found it on your own. I'm proud of you. Yeah, and, you know, it also had to deal with, like, RJ's jealousy, because it's like, he took my student, he takes everything, like, he has to get over so much with yeah, his dad. Yeah, that's a lot of, like, his, that's a lot of his emotional arc for at least that episode, is not feeling like he's a good enough master for his students, and, and he has other issues as well, like the werewolf arc. <laughs> oh, God. Um, Look at that, the- so, but yeah, going back to kind of where we initially were with kind of uh, RJ, is that he is, <sighs> RJ, he's so different from any, a lot of the other mentors we've had in the series. Like, because, yeah. like, most of the mentors, like, they're either characters that are older, like, RJ is older than most of the team, but where, like, the team is, like, in their young 20s, like, like late teens, young 20s. And but he's like late twenties, early thirties. Like I would say that that because he's very coded as being like the older brother type. Whereas like most of the yeah, time, mentors are adults, quote unquote. Yeah, they're they're very adults in their adult years of forty right? something, or like they're ancient alien beings, or you know, in the case of Udana, like a witch who's probably way older than she looks. Um, or they said she was a sorceress. Whatever, she's a witch. Um. <laughs> you know, you're dealing with like ancient beings and stuff like that. And here's RJ, who's just like you know a y- a young adult, but still like you know past the young twenties. Yeah, and he's still figuring his shit out. Um, but yeah, he's like this. 
Yeah, vegan, maybe, like, maybe at least pescatarian. Um, yeah. Tech bro, stoner type, who clearly has enough uh, income to run a restaurant that has, like, a sweet loft upstairs that he lives in. That everyone sleeps in. Yeah, it's like, it's like, I feel like everyone lives in that loft. (laughs) And, like, he's clearly chilling. uh, There's enough room there for everybody. Yeah, so it's just like, I kind of got the, like, tech bro stuff from him because he has, like, all the ranger tech and everything. And that would explain why he has the income for a restaurant that isn't, like, he's with the mafia. Yeah, and, like, the fact that gives him kind of, like, because he talks about it sometimes about, like, that he is in kind of debt because of the restaurant but like he clearly has enough like wiggle room to like you know make weird pizza experimentations that like other people are into apparently um (laughs) yeah like bananas on pizza yeah or like that sounds like something candy lee would be into (laughs) (laughs) maybe (laughs) i'm about to take that picture like yrj and add it at candy lee right um like it's like that one tofu apple pizza he made or something like that. I'm just like, oh my god, he's lucky he's hot because what the fuck is that? Or like Fran had the anchovy chocolate pizza and it was disgusting for everyone, but RJ kept dipping the anchovies in the chocolate. <laughs> it's like, oh, she's a sneaky, salty bitch. <laughs> um, but yeah, he he's he definitely and yeah, it's like he also stoner flies. It's just very yeah, different. So, yeah, I. I definitely feel like RJ would be like, be gay and do <laughs> It's okay to shoplift yeah, it's, from Target. Yeah, I'm seeing him doing the hand motions in my head while you're saying that. <laughs> I actually am doing hand motions while saying that. Because, uh, yeah, that's a very, his, oh, I forget the name of his actor right at the second, but he his whole thing with RJ is that he varies, like, acting with his hands as well. It's, it's very endearing. Um is it yes um, and so even when he's he's still kind of the mentor for the series even after he becomes the the wolf ranger who is just definitely a fucking purple ranger um yeah it, it just feels like purple rangers are mentors we'll yeah. get to that yeah eventually um but uh yeah it's like he's he's still the mentor he still teaches them and eventually like they they listen on their lessons and he's a little bit more lax but yeah, and um, yeah, a lot of the the conflict again for him mostly comes with like him letting other people into his life. I feel yeah, and like what it means to kind of be a leader because like obviously he's more than willing to take up being like their master, but like he's still trying to figure out what the fuck that means. And like he's, yeah. he's you know he's very unconventional because like the whole episode where he's like teaching Casey, uh, where he's just making him do household chores. But, like, in ways that, like, actually teach him, like, the fighting method that he needs to learn. It's very cool. Oh, yeah, like, it's it's wax on, wax off, taken to another level. Um, yeah. Except for the chair fixing. I just need the chair <laughs> fixed. <laughs> he loves his fucking chair. Yeah, Like, it's a whole running joke about, like, the one chair where he will watch, like, the ranger's actions. It's just, like, nobody else is allowed to sit in it unless he gives permission, but don't get used to it. Yeah. Um, which I kind of love that. Because, uh, again, because so often, like, the the mentor characters are just so kind of, like, haughty's not the right word, but they're so, like, older and wiser and, like, you know, they're not allowed to really be, like, 
their own kind of character sometimes. Or they feel like they can't, like with uh, Doggy Kruger and Adana, like they hold back because they feel like they can't let their right, down. Right, yeah, especially for them. And like, because I think the closest we've gotten to that was um, Ninja Storm, kind of. Just because their mentor yeah. was a like a hamster. No, he was a guinea pig for most of the season, so. He was a guinea, yeah. And, and even then, like, uh, Sensei had his own issues, like he couldn't show his sense of humor off or anything because he's like i'm a guinea pig also i'm worried about my son dying (laughs) um so yeah i just i can't really think of like kind of spencer last season but like yeah it's like it's hard to think of like because like even going back to andros who was sort of half mentor half ranger and in space like andros had like no sense of humor like about anything Andros, Andros just cried. Just cri- and Andros cried. Uh, so, yeah, it's like, RJ is just such a <laughs> weird, refreshing breath of air when it comes to, like, mentor characters on Power Rangers. He he sounds like he would be, depending on his mood, he'd either want McDonald's, uh-huh. or if he's just feeling sassy, he's got to get that one black coffee. Yeah, but me. most likely he's going to order, he's going to door dash, like, $50 worth of Taco Bell and not share. <laughs> Yeah, that was our thing. It was like he gets high and then just orders DoorDash's fifty dollars of Taco Bell. <laughs> how many how many cut crunch wrap supremes have you eaten, RJ? Not enough. <laughs> um so yeah, but yeah, that's sort of like a lot of his like kind of interpersonal conflict is what it means to be a leader, like whether it be with his dad or kind of during the werewolf arc where like he feels like he has to, like, keep that in and, like, not share with anybody. But then, like, no, it's letting people in is how you... Letting people in and kind of fighting with your own insecurities is how you conquer that. And also, you kind of touched the other point of, like, letting people in. I think that's where the lone wolf thing kind of starts mm-hmm. with him. Is, um, he pretty much just has this, like, you know, he has trouble letting his father in, obviously because, like, his dad was kind of his own issue. But it just kind of, it seems to trickle on, like, he doesn't let the rangers fully in on his life, and then when the werewolf thing happens, like, he he desperately wants to keep it a secret from them, then not, oh, don't worry about me, don't worry about me, and then he eventually, yeah, they have to worry about you, dude. Yeah, because, oh my god, you just turned into a werewolf. And, like, you're clearly which, causing problems for the city and yourself. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, well, one, I, we really liked him, like, waking up half naked in an alleyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> two, he was, ca- okay, so how I became a werewolf was he was captured, like you said, about midway season point, because that this was after they mastered their weaponry and all that. Is he is cat, like, he basically allows himself to be exchanged for the, for, for the group. And so he's captured, and then, like, they have a death, like, him and Daishi have a death match or some shit. Right. Like, everyone's watching in this cage, and RJ's refusing to, like, really mm-hmm. fight um, until, like, Daishi reaches and corrupts his animal spirit, which, again, I don't want to, I'll get into this later about how weirdly kinky the series <laughs> is. But, uh, yeah, and that, that causes him to be a werewolf. And, again, we kind of gone over, like, the big things. It's, like, it's learning to let people in with your insecurities so you can lead better. But also just make making friends is you have to let them in even at your most vulnerable. Right. Something I had to learn this year. <laughs> hey. hey. So, yeah, that's a lot of the werewolf arc because there's a fucking werewolf arc in this series. 
<laughs> just just happens. And then my favorite thing is like you think it's gone, like oh everything's well, and he becomes the the Wolf Ranger, and then all of a sudden it's like nope, it's back. <laughs> yeah, which I think that's a part of like it too is that he has to fight his own insecurities. Like he literally has to fight the wolf monster in his own mind. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, oh my god, it like flits there, it's yeah. great. So, because ha- that's basically it, is that he kind of has to overcome his own insecurities and realize, no, like, you can fight the wolf spirit, but also realize it's a part of you, and it's that's what makes you you, so, like, quit fighting it and be it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last thing I wanted to, to say about him is uh, we definitely think he's queer. I'm on the the thing that he's definitely that asexual slut that people don't think exists. Yeah. Because people don't seem seem to understand that there's a difference between high libido and, like, sexually attra- uh, sexual attraction. To go on to this, not, not every per- like, people are not, like, sometimes they're not sexually attracted to any everybody they have sex with. Certainly sex right. workers. <laughs> like, if you actually look at it, it's like, human sex and sexuality are really two different things. Uh, you know, don't, don't come at this podcast, I'll block you. Um, but yeah, it just definitely comes like, just he doesn't find anything sexually attractive, but boy, does he does he yeah, love sex? I can totally see that about him. It's just like, yeah, he's just like, I think it's fun. Like, don't be weird about it. <laughs> don't be weird. I was in an orgy <laughs> once. It's like I I, I just and, feel uh, like you'd spend at least half the orgy like eating the food. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he ate the food and then he joins. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like the most he talks about this it is, is because like. I don't know, like, they had some really good casserole that somebody made, and he just thinks about it all the time. <laughs> it was great casserole. Also, this person did a really good job sucking my dick. <laughs> and Theo's yeah. just like, can I leave this conversation, please? I want to I wanna leave now! <laughs> I don't want to hear about your sex life! <laughs> Casey's like, you're saying what we were all thinking. <laughs> Oh man, bless you, RJ. Tom, Tom's like, thank you. <laughs> I guess I'm at the end of the Oh, excuse us. Oh. <laughs> I'm not even sorry, no. Kurt. Uh, so I guess this leads it to Dom, our our Rhino Ranger, who's totally the White Ranger. Uh, and his, he's a, he's a, he's he's um, his rhino spirit, which makes him a free spirit and a joker. Yeah, when we say joker, we don't mean like ha ah, joker fight. It's just more of like he's he's sort of the person who is definitely voted class clown in high school. If you even went to a traditional high school, yeah, like his first when you, he first uh, get, goes to Jungle Car- like mm-hmm. Karma Pizza after getting off a boat, uh, he fakes being a health inspector. And, like, really puts them through the ringer. I think one of them is like, oh, those tomatoes are fresh. He takes a cutting board and hits it. Then, I think, licks the cutting board and goes, you're right, and tosses the cutting board. And he's just causing mayhem through the kitchen until uh, RJ comes out. He's like, oh, Dominic, my buddy from the Pai Academy. Yeah, so, (laughs) which uh, definitely does not, like, 
RJ's happy to see him, but it doesn't put him on the right foot with the rest of the team initially. Um, yes. So it's implied that, yeah, he went to the Paishwa Academy at the same time as RJ and was had a brief time. He was at the, there at the same time with as Jared. Because uh, as he says with Jared, that they were briefly roommates, which my turn a lot. <laughs> I love... Yeah, you're 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 just wait. And the, they oh were my roommates. god, they were roommates. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that was your response. Yeah, because what am I if not terminally online? Um. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he's you know clearly he's very good friends with RJ, but uh, kind of his own path in life, he didn't want to become a Paishwa master and sort of just been um, I guess wandering around the world from place to place in the you know since he left the academy. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of that thing. It's like his path wasn't being a master, and he wanders the world, and a lot of the arc uh, deals with him, his arc just kind of deals with him being a free spirit and a joker, but, and how he does take things seriously in his own way, and that clashes with mm-hmm. the others, or he has to learn to take things seriously. Yeah, because, like, when he first comes in, like, and he sees what the Rangers are doing, uh, what the team is doing as Power Rangers, he realizes that, like, you know, this is his calling, he can help the team, and, like, he can be a Power Ranger, but, like, he has to be accepted by the rest of the team. And, like, he does sincerely try, but, like, he keeps, like, kind of messing up by not taking things seriously, or, like, it's some. Sometimes it's just bad luck where they just think he's joking around, but he's really trying. Like, I think, like, uh, the first couple of bits was, like, when he was filling the pepper shakers, he accidentally filled them with chili peppers. And he didn't mean to it. He just said, he just saw the thing. I was like, ah, oh, this is the peppers. I'm going to show them I'm serious. And then it was the really hot stuff. And he was like, ah, oh, fuck. You know, it was just kind of a lot of mishaps. And then, you know, when he accidentally not Casey's glasses into the garbage, uh, just to talk with Fran about yeah. books. Like, he's like, you don't take things seriously. You threw my glasses in the garbage. And it was just like, Fran ended up telling them, it's like, you guys never really gave him a yeah, chance. Yeah, it's just like, because that, like, we'll get to that with Fran in a second. But like, yeah, because she kind of called them out on it. Of just like, they were just ready to not really, from the, from the jump, when he's like, after the whole health inspector thing, when he's like, I want to join the ranger team. Like, they're just like, ugh, whatever, and, like, just weren't really open to un- being understanding. Like, he, like, I remember, like, the, he actually gave genuine weapon advice, but because his hands were covered with greasy fried chicken, he made the weapons too greasy, and he, you know, he was, like, feeling yeah. bad about it. Um, and so, <laughs> we kind of note that, to, like, you know, that's with his character arc, but also kind of his general vibe uh, that we kind of got from him is that he's definitely very flirty and, like... Definitely feels like a flirty pansexual. Yeah. Like, uh, I think we made the joke that he and RJ definitely slept together yeah. at one point. It's like, it wasn't serious, uh, but, you know. Yeah, it wasn't really serious, but it's like, yeah, we, we totally, we totally fucked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, it, and that orgy with the great casserole. <laughs> and probably at other points, too, but, uh. <laughs> uh <laughs> But yeah, it's like, you know, he's very flirty. That actually is one of his uh, arcs is uh, he's flirty with the one, like, scientist lady, and she didn- doesn't take him seriously. And yeah, it's it's kind of like the flirty and free spirit. It just it just gives him that, that pans- pansexual kind of, like, flirty vibe. Yeah. Um, um, but honestly, his biggest bond with any of the characters is with Fran. Like, from, like, the second they meet, they just immediately click. 
Um, because that's yeah. when you find out that, like, Casey, not Casey, um, that's when you find out that Dom loves to read. Like, he, like, as much as, a, like, a kind of a jokester that he is, and, like, you know, as much as kind of this, like, freewheeling, free spirit, you know, go goes wherever the wind takes him kind of thing, he always has a book with him. And... Yeah, it's it's easy entertainment. Yeah, and like. like you know that carries through the rest of the series. Like you'll see him reading oftentimes in kind of low moments. Like it, it also leads to the weirdest explanation of uh, "To Kill a Mockingbird" I've ever heard. In any sort <laughs> that of was work. great. Yeah, it's just like let's just skip the racism. Yeah, because it's just like because he's like, oh yeah, it's about a guy who like stands up for what he believes in, even though like no one else in the town um like stands behind him. It's like. Okay, that's a weird way to talk about a, a book about a lawyer who defends, like, a black man during a very racist trial <laughs> in, a, in a small yes! southern town. That's definitely what Harper like, Lee intended ooh. when she wrote the book, is for it to be described on Power Rangers. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, oh, okay, um... Anyway, we should teach critical race theory at schools, Alabama. Right. Oh, God. Um... Not to get into that right now, but yeah, no, it's no, like, we're not gonna, we're not a, we're not a political. Po- we have politics as individuals. We're not a podcast that talks about. But politics. yeah, it's just like no, because most of the time that when they when people are saying criti- we don't need to teach critical race theory, they just don't want to teach anything about racism in schools. <laughs> and and that's that's how you will get a description of Kill the Mockingbird. Yeah, exactly. Like that. Uh, um, but yeah, so. But yeah, he immediately bonds with Fran because Fran loves books. So they just, they start talking about, you know, their mutual love of reading and all of that. And like, one of the ways that Casey knows that like, he could take Dom seriously and that Dom really is meaning it when he wants to be a Power Ranger is that um, he actually saves Fran when Fran almost gets Final Destinationed. <laughs> oh yeah, that was a total Final Destination point. Yeah, so... um <laughs> So that's how they know that they can take, like, that Casey knows he can take Dom seriously, is that he was willing to, like, run in and save Fran. Um, And then it's just sort of a thing. It's just, like, Fran gets jealous when he, like, gets that crush on that one scientist lady. And, like, they end up having pizza together at the end of the episode. We get our second ever sort of kiss moment between two characters on Power Rangers. Apparently we got it wrong in the last (laughs) episode. um, When we said that, like, Izzy kissing her girlfriend on the cheek in Dino Fury was, like, the second time any sort of character had kissed in Power Rangers. And it's like, no, at some point, like, towards the end end of the series, Dom, like... It's just like, Fran, what would we do without you? And kisses her on the cheek, which just sort of sends her in that frozen, like, buffering <laughs> mode. Like, uh, And at the very end of the series, he's just like, you know what? Like, he, he, uh, at the end of the series, you know, he's going back on the road. He's going to go backpacking through Europe. And, like, but he comes back into the restaurant. He's like, you know what? I bought a second ticket for Fran. Fran, do you want to go with me and backpack around Europe? And she's like, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So we'll get into this uh, with Fran about how she gets to that point. But I remember we were watching the ending and you were like, oh, my God, you're not going to say goodbye to Fran. And like, I was just I think I hushed Kurt over saying something because I just wanted to see your reaction to Tom coming back. With yeah, because I was like, I was about to be so upset. <laughs> like, it's like, no, you fought like you two are clearly have a thing for each other. Why are you leaving? It's like, it's like, I don't want that other heterosexual nonsense. Yeah, come on, man. 
Uh, so yeah, you were, uh, and then you, you're, you just like, I wish I could see your face because I have a feeling. Oh yeah, up. I was so happy when he came back. Um, so it was, it was just so but, perfect. Uh, it, it was perfect. Like, our last note is that he de- like because of the book reading and free spirit and all that. We said he definitely has the John Moxley vibe of doing a lot of cocaine and reading every book <laughs> in the library. Oh god! So you guys don't know the context of this because we know some people who listen to our podcast aren't familiar with wrestling. Uh, so John Moxley, who's a wrestler for AEW, uh, on the first episode of his wife's podcast, his wife being Renee Paquette. On the first episode of his wife's podcast, he tells the story about how, like, he used to do just the right amount of cocaine or cheap speed and then go hang out of the library because he was a cheap, like, not cheap. He was poor. He was a poor Cincinnati kid. And that was his, the way he got entertainment was that he would just read all the time. <laughs> it was just yep. this mental image of him just doing just enough cocaine to go to the library and read as much as he could. Yeah. And, you know, to be fair to, um... The Cincinnati library system. It's a rockin' system, so... So, yeah, definitely... Like... <laughs> I definitely support John Moxley's, like, past of, you know, doing a ton of cocaine, or just the right amount of cocaine, as he puts it, and going to the library. <laughs> just going to the library and reading right. everything. <laughs> so, uh, which segues, I, I guess, uh, somehow segues into Fran, because we yeah. were talking about her, as for her allies. So yeah, Fran kind of is our major ally of the season, is that initially she's kind of just a loyal customer to Jungle uh, Karma Pizza. Um, she she actually comes there with a lot of her reading material and just sits and reads, because like her, she like kind of hints that like, her parents aren't home often. I, I feel like she's kind of... Uh, Going to school locally because she she does seem older. Yeah, she seems like she's, she's going. Like, to... She feels like she's definitely old enough to be hanging out at a at a pizza parlor all day unsupervised. Yeah, so I feel like you know she's like about like about to enter like enter in her second year of college and like still with her parents because it's cheaper. Right. It seems like her parents either aren't around or just constantly busy, and she doesn't have any siblings, so she just sort of hangs out um, at Jungle Karma and reads a lot. Yeah, and loves the pizza experience. Yeah, and so eventually she gets hired as an employee, I think in, like, the second episode? Yeah, because, like, uh, RJ was just looking for some people to help work, and he's like, Fran, why don't you help us? And Fran's like, oh, yeah. And then, so she kind of just becomes, uh, for about half the series, like, she's the poor put-upon waitress who, like, often has to pick up for the rangers when they leave. And that still happens for the rest of the series, but, like, she does eventually find out on her own uh, that they are Power Rangers, and she kind of is becomes more willing to help them in those moments. Yeah. Um, yeah, and she, like, like we said, you know, with, with Dom, you know, she was, like, this introverted girl, riddled with anxiety, and she ends up, like, becoming really close friends with the Rangers, and they kind of help. Like, she's still introverted. I, I like that she still kind of has introverted vibes, but, like, she's just their friend, and oftentimes, like, like we mentioned earlier, she's often the one that's like, hey, get over yourself, or hey, you should have given Dom a chance, or Yeah, like is that. that, like, she doesn't really, there's not really an episode where she's really the central, like, I think outside of the Dom episode where, like, you know, they become friends and he saves her, there's not really an episode where Fran really has the central arc. Um, But, like, again, like, she often, you know, her role initially is the one to kind of be the unassuming, quiet nerd. But as the series goes on, she's, like, willing to kind of call people out on their shit. 
Like, she's the one yeah. that stands up to Lily when Lily is, like, you know, being bad, quote, quote. And then, um, mm-hmm. you know, she will call the rangers out all the time, like, about the fact that, you know, they constantly leave her alone and don't, you know, aren't helping around the shop. Or that they didn't really give Dom a chance. Or even the case with Theo, it's like, did you really try to ask Lily out? Yeah. She's she's kind of there to kind of act almost like a conscience to the Rangers. Or like, have you ever considered this? Like, definitely that that person that brings that idea that you're yeah and like she's actually the one to get through to rj when he's like in his like wolf form uh because initially like she um you know she sees that rj is changed to a wolf like and it's like in the part where like you know if he doesn't get it under control like you know he's gonna keep you know he's gonna stay a werewolf forever and like he attacks her but she's just like rj i know you're in there and, like, kind of they have this hand touch moment and, like, RJ turns back into himself. And because, like, she's basically yep. like, you gotta let me in because I'm here to help you. So, like, yeah, Fran is often kind of there to kind of just be the, she's not a Power Ranger, but she's kind of the, she is kind of a little bit of the spirit of the team in a way. Yeah. The yeah, alpha she's six. definitely your kind of her Alpha Six where, like, she's not the main character, but she's definitely very supportive and willing to kind of just kick them in the pants when they need it. Yeah. Uh, we definitely, I think we mentioned earlier because of her vibes with Lily often, she definitely has bi-fi. Uh, we were like, definitely bi-vibes. And um, I think that's, I, I think you really explained it when her and Dom were really mm-hmm. heading it off. You're like, I you're like, I know this is supposed to be he- like straight, but none of these two aren't heterosexual. Yeah, because it's just like I'm, you know, because you, you kind of just you can feel it when you look at a couple and you're like, I know you present as heterosexual, but you're not heterosexual. Kind of reminds me of somebody uh, once saying, "It's like if your queerness is tied to whether or not you present as heterosexual, you need to re-identify right. your queerness." So, um, you know, it's definitely like you just are like, "It's like, yeah, you two are cis people in a heterosexual relationship, but you d- both come off very right. queer." Uh, and and with that, we're kind of moving on to our villains with our our first kind of more unwitting villain, which is Flit the Fly, and um. Oh, God. Out of all the characters I expected... Well, one... Okay. I don't even know where to start with that. Because when Flit's first introduced, he kind of is just this little weird, like, puppet zord thing. Because it's very clear that, yeah, he's a puppet fly that kind of just gives commentary on the zord fights, which is just a very interesting concept, and I'm surprised they haven't done before. But then, like, halfway through the series, there's a Flit-centric episode where, like... You find out his backstory of, like, he was a Paishwa master, I think. Or at least a Paishwa yeah. student. Or or not maybe not even Paishwa, but, you know, he was somebody who was trained in the arts of fighting. And he was fighting Camille, and, like, she turned him into this fly monster. And then she ate him. And then just kept... Her, so he, she kept him in her belly for ages. And he can't be outside of her <laughs> belly for too long, or he'll die. I just love how he was like, and then I, I was, I, I made her home in her belly or some shit. And we're just, you're just watching that, and you're just like, okay, Power yeah, Rangers. Yeah, we're just going with subtle Vor backstory for this, like, character whose <laughs> whole thing is to be a commentator on sword fights. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, we're just like, 
and and he's he's dressed up like a little commentator too and everything like a little ring announcer and it's just like yeah no his backstory was he was transformed into like a tiny animal and then eaten by basically a giant woman yeah hmm. i yeah i was just like i this was not what i expected out of this series but okay <laughs> yeah uh he ends up befriending RJ because RJ saves him from the rubble and he's like, oh my god, I can find my way out with, with RJ and and everything. Um, again, bringing in kind of RJ's love for animals yeah, and stuff. Yeah, it's like, it's a, it's a very um, sweet kind of, like, even with the, the with learning the Vorback story, it's actually very sweet and it kind of gives you more of a sense of, like, who RJ is. Because initially, like, he, you know, he's willing to save Flit and then, like, when Flit keeps coming back to try to, like befriend rj he initially is just like uh you know you're you you're with like the enemy like i don't really want to hang out with you but like by the end of that episode like you can very clearly tell he feels bad that like he can't really do anything to save flit and like it comes back later when like towards the end where you find out that jared in is having this con- its internal conflict is Daishi, which is just, that's the entire fucking series, but, you know, um, he comes and, like, tell, you know, comes to tell RJ what's going on, and, um, yeah, so, like, they clearly stay friends in that regard, and, um, so it, it gives this very interesting sort of layer to a character I never would have expected, and even yeah. though again, I can't, I can't not think about the fucking Vorbeck story. I love. Uh, I want to say it was Jordan. It was Jordan. One of our listeners uh-huh. tweeted us about like the Google screenshot image that said like Flint Jungle Fury and one of the like one of the other things that gets Googled with it is Vor. Yeah, I was just like, okay, that yeah, that tracks. Um. But there was like a, there was also this one part because most of the time you see Flit, he's a it's a puppet. Um, and then yeah. well, there will be parts when like Flit's actually flying that it's CG, um, which the CG in the series, by the way, <laughs> it's certainly something. Um, and so yeah, something. so but yeah, there's this one part where like Flit kind of comes up behind RJ's shoulder and is talking to him while RJ's in his chair. So I'm just imagining the puppeteer off screen just being like. <laughs> it's just it's a very funny mental image uh, trust me uh he does become human later at the end of the series and i just remember kurt being like he's 90s kid from from atop the yeah and it's like also this is when you realize that like oh he's played by boom's actor he's been played by boom's actor the yeah. whole time <laughs> it's his last appearance in a disney in a disney uh thing but don't worry right. he comes back um, cause, yeah, he's just, he's going around, cause he's still, I guess cause he's been a fly for so long, he still acts like a fly, and he's, like, wearing these big sunglasses, and, and like, he's getting all up in everything. And still doing his yeah. play-by-play. <laughs> it's very silly. But glad he got a yeah. happy ending that is outside of a woman's yes. stomach. It's like, hopefully he can move on from the trauma. Let's <laughs> speaking of that woman, uh, we're on to a Camille, uh, who's- we, we it's that we know she's a chameleon uh um like monster but it's never explained why she has a human form yeah or at least we didn't yeah, catch it i don't think they really went into it it's just sort of like she's a chameleon she's ha- she's like a chameleon spirit kind of thing don't worry about it like it's power rangers don't 
Yeah, and you and I didn't think of it at first until I think we were doing our notes. I'm like, oh, you're right. They never did explain it. So it's not like a glaring thing unless you notice it type situation. It's just one of those fridge logic things of like, oh, why did she have a yeah? Uniform? So like, she's like, it's been it's implied that she's been a longtime servant of Daishi, and like she's been very loyal yeah. to Daishi for like hundreds of thousands of years. And, like, Daishi has just never really given a shit about her until, like, he possesses Jared, which complicates matters. Um, yeah. But, yeah, constantly throughout the series, we were just like, girl, you can do better. Go back to Lily! Like, she's, like, constantly, like, would try to appease Daishi by, like, bringing him new generals and, or, you know, trying to, like, go fight the rangers herself for coming up with new plans and like she would fail and it wouldn't work out and he would get mad at her but she would just constantly be like but i it's like i love him like i i can i can fix him i can fix him it's like like girl he's a ten thousand year old demon who was locked in a chest like i think it's we're past that yeah no i don't think you can fix him um you, can, you yeah. can't fix this dude and that's how she kind of comes off this entire time and it, really we'll get into this with jared it's jared that shows her niceties and in the end she does actually join against the battle with daishi yeah, yeah not for but daishi because like, jared she realizes that throughout this entire season that jared is the one who's actually been showing her affection yeah and um yeah we're just like girl right. do better <laughs> Just, just leave yeah, his ass. It's like, come on, man. It's like, this is like so sad because it's the same actress who played Lily in Mystic Force. And it's like, I just feel like that's just a fucking running theme with like the character she plays. It's like, yeah. With Lily, it's like she starts out evil, but then like it's because like her mom doesn't pay enough attention to her. And by the end, like she does find love with the goblin, not Troblin, but still. Yeah, it, it's one of those. Yeah. Um. um and then, yeah, so one also one thing we noted about, like, Camille is that she has bitch and eye makeup throughout the entire series. This was filmed, I think, probably, like, 2008-ish, 2009? Um, like, no, sorry, not, not 2009, 2007, yeah. 2008. So, like, they probably started filming in 2008 and were finished by, like, early, two, uh, sorry, they probably started filming in ter- uh, 2007 and were done, like, finished by early 2008, at most. And this... Yeah, this is before, like, makeup tutorials were a thing on YouTube, and that style was really kind of, like, glam style that a not, lot, a lot of people would be doing mm-hmm. at the time. And it's just so good. I've been, I've been actually, like, I think I remember I texted you some ideas of some of the palettes I have to try to recreate it. And yeah. I still might. And then, like, there's um, a brief period where they do, like, a more elaborate eye makeup, because that's when she, like, gets the uh, extra powers of the phoenix. Uh, I think her ring yeah. sheet powers of the they Phoenix. Kinda, they kind of yeah. add like they kind of add like a little bit more like a gold eyeliner highlight uh, at a at her uh, the highlight around her oh, brow, yeah. um, and and kind of put like it's more like gold than it is like green going like green fading right. into gold. So it's it's just oh it's so yeah. good. And then, like I, I we didn't put it in our notes, but I also just I love the the stupid little like curly Q hairstyle that she has to like be like a a, a chameleon's tail. Yeah, just, uh, and her outfit's good, too. Like, a lot of Camille's, like, presentation yeah, is it's just a vibe. Great. So, she, I kind of, like, one of her arcs that's going throughout the entire season, well, it's, like, her main arc is that, you know, she's trying to please Daishi, 
and constantly coming up short. And like, but she's like still attached to Daishi because she's kind of, I, I guess, in her own way, loves him. I don't know. It's not really explained, but you know, clearly, again, girl, you can do better. Uh, yeah, it's like, girl, there's no such thing as love yeah. language. And then anyway, so she, like, kind of the first time she really gets to experience any sort of real kindness from somebody else is when she, you know, she goes around pretending to be human and she meets Lily as not a ranger for the first time and Lily's the only one who really tries to befriend her and she sort of realizes yeah. that like oh I can have friends it's kind of like that it's kind of like that episode of Ninja Storm where like I think it was Capri or was it Mara yeah, yeah Mara. Mara like gets ousted by the other rangers and not the other rangers the other villains and ugh, the blue ranger I can't no it was the okay. green ranger uh, not the Green Ranger, sorry. It was uh, Dustin, yes, the Yellow Ranger. Yeah, Dustin, her. like, tries to befriend her, and they kind of have a thing. And, like, you know, it seems like she really is going to go good. But then she's like, I'm evil, and I will always be evil. And then by the end of the series... Yeah, this was a, this was a whole ploy. And it was. It was supposed to originally... Like, it was an actual uh-huh. ploy. Like, you find out. But, like, at the end of it, she still feels bad. Yeah. And it's she's like, like, oh, I, I really like Dustin. And, like, even at the end of the series, when, like... Uh, Cam goes to save them, and she, she's just like, "Does Dustin still talk about me? Is he still mad at me?" It's like, "Can, can we get together?" And Cam's like, "Shut up!" Focus. <laughs> trying to focus to get us off this blow. Yeah, so shit. like, it's very similar to that of just like <laughs> it's it's like it's always with the Yellow Rangers. Yeah, it's like so so far it's been a Yellow Ranger yeah, thing. Yeah, but like Lily sees the good in Camille. But, like, Camille doesn't see it yet. And I think, like, even Lily keeps, like, as we mentioned earlier, Lily kind of keeps that hope that Camille could, can be good in the future. And that all she really needs is, like, a friend and somebody to really believe in her. And she is kind of right. <laughs> yeah, because Jared ends up really overtaking Daishi's spirit every now and then and showing her kindness. Yeah. And basically being like, I take care, I care about you because I'm, you know, I, I'm still human inside. And, you know, I, I should take care of you. Um, I, I'll go into that with Jared, because one, one of the best kind stories is Jared's backstory. Which yeah, is really and, weird. like, it's very uh, interesting about, like, when you when everybody realizes that Jared is kind of overtaking Daishi, and that, like, you know, there's still good in him, is when, um, at some point, he, like, turns to Camille, at, it's towards the end of the series, and he's like, thank you. And she's like, you've never thanked me before. And there's yeah. just like every it's like a big shocker thing, but like Camille's like, no, I'm into that. <laughs> Wait, come back. It's like I'm into yeah. kindness. <laughs> so she ends up, you know, and that because Jared was end up uh, being able to show kindness and overthrow Daishi's spirit, they end up turning good at the end. And yeah, she becomes a trainee, uh, which I like because you know she really is like this thou- eon, not really eons, but millennia old like demon general. You know, and here she is just making, and the whole thing at the end was Jared's like, you know, it's never too late to make a new beginning. And here she is, like, millennia old, making a new beginning in her life. It's like, yeah, like, it's like training, yeah. training with a- kids. A- as Jared says, <laughs> it's never too late to, <laughs> um, it, listen, specifically, it's never too late to start over or something like that. Yeah, it, it was, it was something like that. It's never too late to, to start over, have a new beginning. Uh, 
But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's go into Jared because we're 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 kind of touching on him slash Daishi, but it's mostly Jared. Uh, like we said, he was like the hot-headed lion spirit sh- like student who disrespected the Cubs like Casey, and therefore he wasn't chosen to fight the evil. They be the guardians to fight the evil. So he gets mad and basically releases Daishi, and Daishi just basically lives in Jared the majority yeah, of the uh, season. Yeah, d- yeah, Daishi just like. What is it that Katya said in that one episode? She's like, I'm not looking to, like, spin the bottle. I'm looking to get body snatched by a demon. That's basically what happens. Is that he just, like, Daishi comes out of that and just body snatches him like Evil Dead 2. Yeah, and, and what was the, what was an interesting thing was, like, you don't really, re- like, they hide it. Uh, particularly well for a kid's show, I think. They definitely hide it um, that he is Daishi, essentially. Until, like, I think, like, a third or four episodes in, they pan up and you see that he took over Jared. Yeah, which, again, for Power Rangers, they managed to, like, kind of, it's like, watching it as an adult, I was just like, when I said, so what happened to Jared? And you're just like, oh, you'll see. And then I was like, it's probably Daishi, isn't it? Um, yeah, um, yeah as, as an adult, it's a, it's a little obvious. But, like, I feel like if I was watching it as, like, a young child, I would have been like, What? <laughs> Yeah, like, whoa! Because, yeah, I remember when I first watched this, I'm like, oh, it's obvious Jared's Daishi. (laughs) But to, like, a five-year-old, that's probably not going to be obvious. And if the five-year-old got it, like, oh, I knew it, I knew it! Or, oh, my mind is blown. So, you know, either way, the five-year-old wins. Like, like we are not the target audience, and we accept that. (laughs) Yes. Um, Uh, But, yeah, so... So, yeah, like, the entire, like, conflict with, like, Jared slash Daishi, like, for most of the season is that, like, the generals will come in and be like, oh, but he's human. Like, that means that he's vulnerable to things like feelings. They don't phrase it exactly like that, but that's the entire vibe. And, um, so a lot of the generals will just try to go out of their way to try to make his, like human vessel as evil as possible so that way it doesn't like he he sheds all emotion and all connection with humans and like can just be the evil daishi for the rest of his days i think like carnosaur was the big one because we have like this whole episode where carnosaur is like we're gonna make sure that we wipe out everything you ever did that was good so you are will be totally evil Jared. And one thing that really struck me was how um, Jared talked at like, it's the second one where Jared talked about how, you know, my family was sometimes ever around. I ended up spending a lot of time on, you know, on this farm with this family. They always let me eat with them and everything. And I remember when they were about to lose their house, like the bank was being right. an asshole, basically. And he was like, oh, yeah, and then I raised enough money, uh, used, like, in the community to help them keep their farm. And, you know, it was like, well, what if you didn't? <laughs> and uh, that was, that was kind of, and I just remember, like, Jared being very sad about that, too. It's like, oh, like, those were good people to me. But the one before that was definitely very much, this is for children. <laughs> <laughs> because it was like, oh, yeah, it was like, I don't know, Ryan or whatever. Oh yeah, he got the answers to the to the math test, and I, you know, I thought that was wrong. It's like, or <laughs> did you? And it was like, aha, uh-huh, he's evil now, cheating on a math test. <laughs> yeah, because it's like I, I just love that that has the same weight of you know not raising money for uh, his uh, the family next door who took him in, 
and like using his like uh his lion spirit on like bullies that were like trying to kill him is like like yeah, that like, like that has the same weight of e- like cheating on a test has the same weight of evil as those two things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cheating. Yeah, because I'm like, listen, I know that the point system of getting into the good place is completely wrecked, but like, I feel like cheating on a <laughs> test is like a, on a lower like weight scale than you know, not raising any money on purpose to let the family farm next door like go bankrupt. Yes. Uh but we we also like to the, the reach out and talk about his Kylo Ren right. vibes. Oh God. So um. Ugh. Like, it's kind of hilarious this comes out, like, ten, like, like not a full ten years, but, like, almost a whole decade before The Force Awakens. And, like, but his entire vibe is just that like he's fucking Kylo Ren. Like, you know, he's clearly, he's clearly on the dark side, but he has this internal conflict because he can feel, like, the goodness of being a human. And, like, his connections to his, like, his human side coming through, and it leaves him in conflict, deep conflict. He even has the same voice modulation. Yeah, so I'm just like, did did J.J. Abrams, was he just watching Power Rangers with his kid, like, someday, and he was just like, that's it! (laughs) That's it! That that should be Leia and Han's uh, child (laughs) as an adult. Like, I, like, I, I had to make that joke on Twitter of just, like, Clearly, like, J.J. Abrams copied off of uh, Power Rangers Jungle Fury. I can't confirm that, <laughs> but, like... <laughs> it's just, like, yeah, it's just, like, his entire vibe, like, tip to toe is, um... And he tries super hard to be evil, too, just like yeah, Kylo Ren. Like he's got, you know, he's got the hair and the dark broad, you know, the dark outfit and the broad shoulders, like... It's like I don't get how the brooding yeah, I don't voice. get how this series predicted Kylo Ren. Like <laughs> it's weird. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, he he did and uh I guess like Kylo Ren but not really cuz that was sure a movie that last movie. I forgot Rise his name Skywalker. even. Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker was surely a movie. Yeah, it's like, it's definitely, you know, it was definitely a film that was put on, like, put on film and uh, edited and put put through post, like, (laughs) post-production effects and released into a wide audience (laughs) and on streaming. It's definitely a thing. (laughs) It was certainly a movie. You could say it was that. (laughs) I, but, I will you definitely know, say Jared uh, gets the better ending of the two. I'm sorry, I'm just reminded of the kiss oh, at the God. end. Now he's dead. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God, that fucking movie. That fucking movie. But this this one ended better where uh, Jared finally is able to kick out Daishi uh, with the help of Casey, who who's like, I'm not, you know, I definitely think there's good in you, and his Luke Skywalker gambit pays off. Uh, but pretty, Daishi assumes his final form, and he, he's just pretty much a bastard yeah, the rest of the way. Yeah, and so, like, Jared's, like, final act of courage, which seems like it's gonna kill him, but it doesn't, because this is Power Rangers. Um, Jared's final act of courage is to kind of just stand up against Daishi himself. And, like, the, the last episode's interesting, because, like, Casey's, you know, willing to make that gambit and, like, save Jared, and, like, they fight off the last, I think it was general scorch they fight off in like the second to last episode and like you know he's willing to like join casey by his side and then like at the end he like 
after Casey gets his, like, master stripes, like, he kneels to Casey and he's like, you know, um, Tiger Master, I'm so sorry, I'll take whatever punishment is needed, and, like, Casey's just like, what the fuck, get up, man. (laughs) Um, Get up, man. Yeah, you're You're better. better. Like, we need you for the final fight, and Jared's just like, I can't do it! I need to be emo! I I need to be emo for a full episode! I'm gonna come back and save the day! So, like, yeah, so I think Jared at the end of the series like definitely learns to be humble and like learn kind of the error of his ways, which I guess you know having your body possessed by an ancient evil for like a whole year will do that. Yeah, and also like oh you know I should I think it's a little bit of the bu- like the bully thing, which oh god we have to get to that in odds and ends about that one oh, episode god, of the yeah. bully, but it definitely has to do with like you know. Because at the beginning, you know, he's he's mean to Casey and all that. Definitely like whole, like, I'm projecting a lot of my anger onto other people. <laughs> it's, yeah. And he learns to no longer deal with that as, uh, you know, an, an adult. Yeah, it's just, it's the, it's the bullying uh, bit from fucking, uh, I mean, and we'll bring that up with the bully and the odds and ends bit, but it's just like, it just I just think of that, like, Key and peel bit, where it looked like the school bully, like, saying exactly out loud all of the things that he's like projecting and like dealing with internally onto the kid he's bullying and then the dad rolls (laughs) it coming reluctantly hey uh so yeah it's it's he he learns i guess uh, what i'm trying to say is jared learns to be human Mm -hmm. but it is some sort of deep metaphor like that i don't know it's power yeah we don't come here for the deep metaphors (laughs) But um, uh, now we're on to our honorable mentions. Uh, we have the Masters slash Spirit Rangers. Uh, they all had like animal theme names. Like there was like Master Lo, like the the Masters they meet later to get their evolved powers, like Master Lo, Master Rilla, and Master mm-hmm. Gwen. You know, Antelope, Gorilla, and Penguin. Penguin, which we love the outfit for Mas- yeah. Master Gwen. By the way, she was awesome. And on the other Masters, like. The other Masters slash Spirit Rangers got more to do with, like, you see uh, Master Fant, who trained Lily, come back to be like, hey, can you help my niece with this? Mm-hmm. Uh, Master Master Finn kind of goes in and out because of RJ. That's his dad. Master Swoop has a bad, badass-looking outfit. He's also blind. Uh, sometimes comes back. Yeah. But, um... Overall, it's just like, they all are animal-themed. They have furry outfits at the end. That's how they ascend, and, uh... Master Mal was a cat. Can we just talk about the fact for a second that Master Swoop looks like an extra from the Matrix? Yes, I wanted to tell you that so much, and I keep forgetting. Yeah, it's just like, he, like, the first time you meet Master Swoop, he's like, and he keeps this out there through the entire series, because the whole thing is that Swoop is is blind, but he's able to, he has the bat spirit, which, again, every time he came on, I was just like, bat! Because uh, that is one of my favorite bits from fucking what we do in the shadows. But yeah, like Master Swoop comes in and like he's got he's wearing a long black trench coat and sunglasses and he has like he's not the weirdest hair out of anybody in the series. I definitely I felt like he was about Theo. I'm gonna teach you right. about the Matrix. <laughs> and we also have like the majority of Master Daishi's like rogues gallery, like there were I think, like, at the beginning, there were the five fingers of poison, uh, and then they all died, and then the overlords came, which included, the, uh, we just kept making Jellica jo- Jellical jokes. Yeah, it's like, because like, there was not enough to go around with Jellica that you've been spared another long Wind of Cats reference this time, but, like... 
Yeah. So- yeah, Jellica, who gets, she's kind of gets blown up, like, towards the end of her run. Yeah, it's, it, you know, it's like there's the overlords who, I think the overlords stay the longest. Yeah, out of all of them. But, but they're pretty, you know, one note. Uh, and then you have, like, the Phantom Beast and the Phantom Beast Warriors. The only uh, of one was uh, oh. Liger, with the unfortunate yeah. name. He was the white tiger spirit. And he takes Casey's, like, yeah, uh, he- tiger spirit at one point. Yeah, and that was, that was also really, like, weird, um... Also, like, weird thing, because he turned kind of good because of Casey and then yeah, blew no, he, up. Yeah, no, like, he faded from existence, basically, because, like, I guess because he, his Rinshi was taken away, so, like, I guess he couldn't yeah. be sustained long enough on this mortal plane without it. And then, like, Casey saved him from a cliff, and he's like, oh, well, wait, if humans are good, and then just Yeah, goes, and basically, like, for a bit, he's mad at Casey because Casey wouldn't let him commit suicide. <laughs> Yeah, it was that was a very weird dark episode. Yeah, but you know, since we can't say die, dies, death, killed, suicide, any of those words on Power Rangers. It's like it always just leads to some weird metaphors like destroyed, canceled. Um Yeah, canceled was a very good one yeah. that made us laugh. Oh, uh, so we'll talk about that in a bit. And then, like, another, the other one that was just stood out to us was Lepus, who, like, she's apparently got some sort of, like, rabbit powers. And, like, for some reason, it didn't occur to me until, like, towards the end of the series when she's involved in the whole, like, trying to murk Camille thing. I looked at her and I was just like, this is just Toku Monster Sailor Moon. Because she's, like, got pixie powers, so she's got, like, the little butterfly wings on her chest, like, in Super S. And then, like... She has, like, she, she has kind of the little Yeah, she has the pig, because, like, she, they had to give her, like, these pigtails, like, rabbit ears, but then, like, they stick these red gems right at the top. So it's like, yeah, it's, what am I supposed to think she is? <laughs> like, I see that kind of, like, layout, and my brain just immediately goes, that's Sailor Moon. You're clearly looking at Sailor Moon. That's Sailor Moon. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's go into odds and ends. Uh... I want to kind of talk about kind of the reassessment from the fandom mm-hmm. over the years, because I remember when I watched this, it was like, I think three years mm-hmm. after it had come out, like three to four years. And the, it was kind of, uh, the fandom definitely, like, there's definitely contention of this was the, one of the worst right. seasons. And I feel like, lot like, Wild Force is starting to kind of gain a lot of people mm-hmm. reassessing it. This one has also been very much reassessed. Like, a lot of people really like it now. They're like, oh, we were a little, a little too hard on it. Um, kind of, kind of goes into my thing of like, the Disney years were always pretty good. Y'all right. were just mean. So, yeah, definitely, it's, it's definitely gotten a really good reassessment over the years. And I'm very glad of that, because I remember watching this, I'm like, this is good, guys. Why are you guys angry over this Yeah, because, like, you saying that, I'm, like, looking at, like, thinking, I was like, what about this series would make people just go, yeah? But, you know, it's the internet, so. Yeah. Yeah, there's too much explosions. I didn't like the, like, the spirit rangers. Yeah. Everything's focused around Casey, which I, I think I was like a plate, and I'm like, not really. Yeah, because I'm like, yeah, because I'm like, I can't, the last, ep- like, season I can really say that focused around a Red Ranger was Mystic Force. But, like, even then, it it definitely worked. And, like, yeah, the, the, yeah Casey, I think Casey does on. get a lot of, like, central episodes, but it's not, like, Casey and the other Rangers. Yeah, like, the other Rangers get, like, we talked about the other Rangers get gross 
with their own conflicts and, and everything as well. Uh, and yeah, he's not oh, Sky. God. Sky's gonna be our standard, I think, for when a series focuses on a character and it's a yeah, detriment. No, that's that is definitely going to be our gold standard of a uh, of bad uh bad division amongst like your ranger characters. More like our brown hey. standard. Hey. Um, so something that we definitely noticed about the themes uh, about the series is that the theme song this season it is god awful and yet somehow the most amazing thing ever. Yeah, like, like, it is. Um, yeah, it's, it's catchy. super catchy. It's like this like pop. It's like this perfectly two uh, mid two thousands or late you know late two thousands pop punk vibe, and like the singer is just so nasally. And like, like it has the dumbest lyrics about like the um uh you know uh protecting evil as we uh the best we can from the e- protecting the world the best we can the e- evil Dai Shi clan <laughs> stand up for what we know is Power Rangers Daishi go away Daishi go away the same the day because we're the Power Rangers Jungle Fury it's just. This is like it's cheerleading, is is all that, but it's it's like wow, this is one. It was a big improvement from Operation oh, Overdrive. God, the Operation Overdrive theme was dog shit. <laughs> like that that person definitely was like, I'm paid how much? Yeah. I'm owning the sun, and like it just it worked so well for like the tone of the series. It, like I'm like I listened to it the first time, I'm like what the fuck is this? And then like by the end of it, I was just like, it's yeah, just stuck yeah, in your head pretty forever. much. Um. Uh, I will say though, for the opening credits, like they picked the worst font because it's like it's that kind of racist font that they like expect to be used for like Chinese takeout menus, but it's also fucking impossible to read. Yeah, it's like I can't read this. Eventually, they um they I remember because I think they had that font for like the like. The post credits of like this episode is this title and all that, and then they changed it at the end to a more yeah. readable font. Yeah, because it's like I can read it kind of, but it kind of it's one of those fonts that like the the kerning on it and the like kind of the way it's like um because it's not a I, I I forgot all of the font terms. They just exited my brain as soon as I tried to like access them. It it definitely. It tries to be, um, like, I really get katakana vibes, like Japanese katakana alphabet right. vibes from it. It tries to be that, but it's, like, still doing, like, Roman numeral English, like, not Roman numeral, but, like, Roman English mm-hmm. lettering. And it's just like, no, I, I can't, the, these are two different alphabets, don't Yeah, them. so sometimes trying to read the opening credits was a little bit of a nightmare, is the point we were trying to say. Um... Uh, one of the things that, that that's pointed out, and that this is definitely a uh, uh, detriment to the series, is this this series is a lot of white people. It's it's very white. Yeah, I'm like, this is like Look the at first time in a like, cause yeah, obviously we have like Theo as the one person of color on the entire team, but like I'm like, this is I'm trying to think. I'm like, this is the first time we haven't had a black ranger in a while. Yeah, it's like. There's well, no. I don't think it was one in Mystic Force, but like even then, we had like no. There, there hasn't. It, it, it's been like for a while in the New Zealand era. It's like they don't. They more or less would hire um na- like like Samoans, Tongans, like people native. Yeah, to the so islands. like you'd always get at least like one actor of color like every season, 
And like, obviously still here, we have, like I mentioned, we do have Theo as our one person of color, but wow, this season is really white. And especially like, it's just, it's just I think all it just white stands people. out more, especially <laughs> compared to like something like Mystic Force, where like, that was also a decently white season, but like, you know, it wasn't dealing with like martial, uh, Asian martial arts. <laughs> yeah, that's like the real yeah. kicker is like, this is, and this is not the first time I feel like Power Rangers does this we'll get into it yeah. with samurai uh which oddly enough had a more diverse <laughs> cast than this uh but it uh it definitely like it just feels very awkward that they only have one asian person mm-hmm. theo uh played by a filipino right. actor and everyone else is just like they're but they're they're a bunch of white people it's a bunch of crackers yeah typing, you know happy little crackers just vibrating here there and everywhere yeah, pretty much is how I would describe Jungle yeah, Fury. Yeah, like, I still love Jungle Fury, don't get me wrong, but it's just like, yeah, like, when you really think about it, it's like, this is a very, um, this is a very white cast on a season that mostly deals with, like, um, kind of kung fu and Muay Thai, and so it's like, yeah. not saying that, like, white people can't practice, like, kung fu and Muay Thai, but, like, mm, the optics of it are a little weird. <laughs> Yeah, it's like all the masters are are mostly white people. Like, it's just an extensively white cast. And it's like, this is about, like, a kung fu school and everything. You could have put put more more Asian people in the... Definitely more black people. Uh, Because it's it's America. You should have more black people there. Um, I'm just... Yeah. But, like... Disney in general had like a hard time. Like it, it seemed like a lot of Disney casting did tend to lean mm-hmm. more white, but this one it really just sticks out as a sore right. thumb more than I think any of the Disney. Seasons. Yeah, I think just because of the the entire theming of it all. Because like I was, because what I'm thinking about, yeah, Mister like, yeah, Force was also really white, but still, you know, so you have like you know Native Pacific Islander like as like the mentor, one of the mentor characters in that series. Yeah, so, but I think it's, yeah, I think it's just, it's an endemic, like, what's happening with this season is kind of an endemic of a Disney problem, um, and it definitely just sticks out so much compared to, like, like, because it may, it is making me go back and think of, like, yeah, no, because, like, the past few seasons have been, like, really white. <laughs> yeah, but it, this one particularly just stands out because you're, you're, you're dealing with something that isn't white. It's, yeah. you know, it's. Mostly yeah. Chinese. Um, so, you know, and you're just like, this is this is a bunch of white people. Yeah. This is real awkward. Yeah, that's just sort of our main part is that, yeah, Disney definitely had a had a diversity problem this, like, this, in this Which era. Is, yeah, it's just like mostly, mostly white people and just like, we casted people of color uh, and black people for roles but we're not gonna actually give any sort of ethnic background to anybody so it's just yeah all there i feel like that was also the style yeah, as was time, the style at the time yeah so it's like it's Except, like it's a yeah. yeah it's like it's not a just a it's definitely not just a jungle fury issue it's definitely an issue of the times but it's like also carrying over with power rangers like yeah power rangers has always been very diverse in its casting but like it hasn't very been very diverse in its writer's room, if you know what I mean. So, yeah. I, take that as you will. Take that as you will. We'll, we'll kind of, we're, we're fumbling through this, but a lot of people have explained this better. I think on Tumblr, I think, drew my attention of just how white a lot of this were. 
uh, a lot of these seasons were, but particularly yeah. Jungle Fury. Um, which is, again, we can go into this on the <laughs> Disney years. So, moving on to more, like, funkier things, I guess, about the show. Um, one of the things that, de- like, I noticed, because I watched a bit of Gecky Ranger, was it kept the roll call mm-hmm. from the Sentai. And I remember showing that to you. It's like, yeah, like they they kept the they kept the mo- the kata yeah, because it was just like and everything. When you pointed it out, I'm like, oh yeah, no, I can see it. Yeah, and they just kind of dubbed over their own roll call for it. Um, so that was that was kind of neat because normally like that doesn't tie right. over, which which kind of sad because I think Operation Overdrive would be would be made better with the Bokanger roll yeah, call. Yeah, because like, usually they'll keep the roll call in for like maybe an episode or two, but it definitely felt like it was a around a lot more this season yeah um and also this is like the first season in a long time i right? like since turbo we don't have a battleizer yeah because i was just like i kept waiting for it i was like oh is this the battleizer no this is just the this is just the power up everybody gets so once the battleizer cut there's no battleizer okay then yeah they uh i think i feel like it's they pulled the plug on the yeah. money on that I had recently rewatched the Toys That Made Us episode that we talked about in our Saban era overview. And, like, I just, I had forgotten the whole part where they were talking about, it's like, oh, yeah, we got to the Disney season and then the toys started sucking. Yeah, I think that's, like, the thing people remember. It's like the toys started sucking because it, it feels like, you know, there was a disconnect over what Disney wanted and what Bandai of America Yeah, and, like, wanted. reading the Ranger Wiki, so, you know, a little bit of a grain of salt. Uh, cause I think, cause a lot of it was without sources, so I think a lot of it was hearsay, but kind of just, it kind of makes sense based on, like, again, what I've been reading out of Disney War and kind of just generally how TV production works is that, uh, Disney was, like, Disney as the company just was not very interested in keeping Power Rangers around, and I would not be surprised, especially after Michael Eisner left, because, again, this is kind of a remnant of that bad ABC family deal, and I would not be surprised if they're like, we just want to, you know, fucking get rid of this and just let the rights expire. Um, but, you know, apparently it did really well in Europe on Jetix, uh, Jetix UK, so they were just like, no, we want, you know, we want more Power Rangers. And so they're, I think they were just like, okay, fine. And then when that deal expired, they were just like, okay, Jungle Fury is going to be the last season. And then they, the ratings did well enough. They're like, okay, you get one more season and then we're done. Um, so yeah. generally it just sound like Disney was just over it. And I would not be surprised if they're just like, really? We got to produce toys for this? Okay, fine. Doing the bare minimum to get that money out. Yeah, yeah pretty much. It's just like, which I wouldn't, I, I could definitely wouldn't be surprised if there was at least one executive that like, you know, really believed in the show. And then like, you know, there are definitely people in production who really did fucking care about this, but like Disney as a whole, especially when Bob Iger comes on board, like just would not just, just didn't care. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of funny. Cause the spirit Rangers were American made and like, the, it looks very seamless. Yeah, like I was surprised when you told me that like, Oh, these are, these are American made Rangers, which we've come across that before, especially in light speed. Um, but, like, Lightspeed was just, like, you could kind of tell that it was, like, those, like, things were filmed and made separately with the Titanium Ranger. Mixed with, like, you know, they just basically put down a bunch of shit on the Titanium Ranger. Like, whatever we could find, we'll make it. Like, it was, like, a Mega Ranger Yeah, or and then, like, oh, well, we don't really have the budget to film, like, actual footage with the Titanium Ranger. So, uh, he's just gonna disappear for most of the series. It's gonna kill on so, a journey. Like, at least with the Spirit Rangers, they came up with like a really kind of 
ingenious way to like bring them when they bring them out when they needed to. So one, they didn't have to film that much footage. And two, like, it makes more sense than just having them go like, okay, we're gonna go now. Bye. Uh, cause the whole- yeah, yeah, it was basically, cause they're just the spirits of, of, uh, Master Finn, Fant, yeah, and- Yeah, so like, no, that makes sense about like, okay, so they're just lending their animal spirits to the rangers, who like, they already have access to those animal spirits anyway, so, like, okay, sure, that makes sense. And, like, yeah, no, for, a you know, for American-made rangers, like, no, these actually look pretty good. Especially when yeah. Disney was just, like, not giving yeah. a shit anymore. I think this was what they decided in lieu of battleizers, because I think they're like, we're not doing a battleizer. Well, we, can we make these? Yeah, sure. And they ended up being, I think, a nicer touch yeah, than a battleizer. Yeah. Especially, especially since when we look at this season, like we talked about with Casey, I think, like... Casey's not a ranger that I think should have gotten a battleizer, and that that's just more because you know he really wasn't the leader; he was just part of a con. Yeah, so like I couldn't. Yeah, Casey is just not one I can see having a battleizer. Like it's just like I, what would what purpose would a battleizer would have served at that point? Honestly, yeah, especially with given how arcs of battleizers normally are, it's normally like something that's given after a heroic thing, and like. I think it paid off more that Casey's heroic thing ended up getting Jared and Camille to join the side mm-hmm. of good and rescue them and not like, and now he has a sweet battleizer. Yeah, the fact that like RJ made most of their upgrades or they got most of their upgrades from the spirit realm. Like I can't really see either like either of the the spirits of the animal master, the animal spirit masters, or the Pai masters, rather, or RJ being like, yes, we will give this one special power to one very special boy. I'm like, that, yeah, like, I, I, that I, I, just kind of goes against the whole Pai vibe of, like, you know, not putting oneself above the team. And, like, RJ is also just, like, he's like, I could just imagine RJ just being like, what? <laughs> that sounds dumb. I'm not yeah. doing that. <laughs> No, that that's that's really yeah. stupid. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just that was a thing, and you know, I think it was a stronger series, yeah. uh, for it. And then, uh, yeah, we want to talk about how weirdly kinky the season was. It wasn't fucky the way Dino Thunder. Oh yeah, was Dino fucky. Thunder was the fuckiest season that ever fuckied. <laughs> it, it, but it was definitely like kids definitely discovered their kinks from this series. Yeah, it's like what you had a werewolf arc, you had a character like a Vord, um You had two instances of people getting captured and basically tortured, and all I could remember was the like one-off Emmett Hobbs comic we'll we'll link in the show notes where he talks about as a kid like doing a re- book report and he goes I liked it when the good guy gets hurt I'm gonna write the suspense and he just goes holy shit that started <laughs> early <laughs> and I'm just watching this I'm like yeah no this is where I got my whole like capture capture yeah, and then like from. he could even say like I not uh, so I wouldn't say it's like hypnosis with Jared but like there's definitely some sort of like you know captured and possessed vibe going on with him yeah yeah there's there's just a lot of like you know captured and possessed being captured and hurt like the vor like not only that turning to a smaller creature and getting reward you know yeah that's and then camille's thing. got a, like a little bit of a service sub thing going on where she's like i uh, yeah, i only live to just, serve daishi you know and, well and it's just like mm, this has 
interesting vibe. Or, like, the time where, like, Lily kind of gets brain, like, turned evil. You know, there's, there's a lot of, like, things that you wouldn't think are kinks, but they are. And you're, like, some somebody who watched Jungle Fury at a young age now, like, likes to be tied up in the beds or yeah, something. Yeah, I can, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is really into werewolf yeah. furry porn. No judgment you know, on our end. It but. all started. No, no judgment on our end, please. No judgment on our end. But uh, also, it's just like Power Rangers probably caused a lot more perverts than totally yeah, spies. They just don't notice it. Yeah, because I, I definitely like, like I said with that Emmett, Emmett Hobbs comic, I, I actually replied me at Power Rangers because re-watching this show, I'm like, oh, that's where I got that from. <laughs> definitely got it from watching right. this show at a young age. Um... And so, and then we have to go to our clip show episode, which involved a, an evil game show hosted by, like, Camille and this one, like, beast master or whatever they called them. I think it was just a wrenchy, too. Yeah, because it was like, you got a weird, wrench. like, Elvis impersonator vibe. Yeah, I think when we first saw him, because he was supposed to be a TV repairman, you're like, this is an Elvis impersonator. Um, But yeah, so it takes place at this game show where they have to recall things from their own life or they, quote unquote, get canceled. Yeah, there's a lot of euphemisms in this season, particularly for for being killed or fate that's equal to death. Uh, I think Destroyed came out a lot, but Canceled killed us because this is... We are watching this in 2021. Yeah, and this was a series in 2008. They could not have predicted what that would, like, end up being uh, used for most of the time. Yeah, they could not predict the pipeline that was um, an AAV word, AAVE word, that then turned into a racist dog whistle. And so, like... (laughs) Because, like, it makes, like, in the context of the series, like, it's a whole thing where they have to, it's... A television-based, like, game show where they have to recall something from the TV, se- from the T, earlier in the TV series about their own life. And it involves, like, when they get canceled, they basically get zapped with a remote control and they disappear. Like, and, you know, this is on the pre- precipice of they are probably expecting that this is going to be the last season of Power Rangers. So, like, they might have just been feeling a little bit sassy. So, like, yeah, in the context yeah. of that, saying, oh, you're going to get canceled makes sense. <laughs> but they just, yeah, you're right. They could not have predicted how that comes across in 2021 when they wrote it. Yeah. Um, so I guess the final one, uh, or one of the final ones is like, um, I I think it's like it's known or not, but regardless, I used to work. Uh, in the restaurant industry, particularly more of the fast casual mm-hmm. side. And there were so many times we're like, oh my God, why'd you right. do that? <laughs> it's like, what, what are you doing? That, you know, like it wasn't just like, they obviously didn't do skirt things for like the, the for, for, you know, money's sake at the restaurant. But I think like one time they accidentally put like, so, like somebody literally lifted a mop over the pizzas or something. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> So like, is this the first season that they've had? Because I, I feel like there was at least one other season where they all were granted. I know that happens in Dino Charge. But, like, before this, was there any other season where they all worked at a restaurant as, like, the, as kind of the uh, big ranger meeting place? I know, because I feel like having jobs was definitely something that started around... A little bit mm-hmm. in light speed, but then eventually came became more and more like a little bit in light speed in t- time force, but became more of a thing in like 
Ninja Storm is we have a job or in case of like the the Dino Thunder, it was just the the meeting place was a cafe, which Trent right. does work at. But like, you know, Trent kind of works uh, as like a waiter. Like he's not the one actually. And plus like it's because um, cause, like the main like cyber cafe they meet at is more of a coffee house. Like it's not like a full blown restaurant. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, it's like you have, like, the cat, like, you have the cafe, you had the, the extreme sports shop in Ninja Storm, you had the cafe in Dino Thunder, you had SPD, which, you know, that's just work. Um, uh, yeah. So you had SPD. The Rock yeah, Porium. The Rock Porium. The Rock Porium and, and Mystic Force, Force, and then everybody just hung out at the mansion in Operation Overdrive. So, yeah, it's like, yeah. But they had, but yeah, this is the first time we had, like, we saw, like, an actual restaurant be the front. Yeah, so, like, <laughs> I'm, like, even, like, thinking back to, like, Dino Chart, I don't even think they, like, violated health codes that much. <laughs> no. I mean, Coda probably ate burgers I mean, off the yeah, grill, but. Eh, probably should not do that. <laughs> I also think, like, the Dino Cafe was staffed by more than just the, the, the Dino Charge Rangers. True, because it was part of a I get museum. The so, like. It was, it was probably more, uh, Kendall was able to, like, convince the museum probably to have all of them be on the right. same ship. Right, that makes sense. Um. Where, uh, yeah, here it's, like, it's the same people, which it can, it can make sense when you're dealing with one, uh, like, RJ, it's, it's, RJ and it's hinted at Theo, Lily, and Casey mm-hmm. all live there. And it's also, it seems like a lunch, they close, and then open for dinner type Yeah, because they constantly talk about the lunch rush, and then I think the dinner rush sometimes, but, like... Yeah. It's often, it's like, they have the lunch rush, and they talk, they talk about that service, and then it, uh, and then, but oftentimes you see the downtime where they're closed between lunch and yeah. dinner service. And, um... God, I sorry. Just I I remember this now when we were like, even though we probably should have brought it up with Casey about like the whole episode where that one kid steals tips. Yes. Oh my God. Uh, which reminds me of the bullying oh yeah, episode. which I think we we wanted to touch on that is that there's <laughs> so Casey just had a lot of episodes with children. Yeah, and like it kind of like it definitely those episodes hint at his like future of being the Paishwa master teaching like the beginners class. Um. <laughs> But but the one we we're talking about, he is actually teaching like a a a, a kung fu yeah, class. Yeah, and then like there's this one kid that's getting bullied, and like his bully is kind of the stereotypical like as I put it, he has like big Dooley from uh, King of the Hill energy, which Dooley yeah, Dooley being the one bully who sounds like this and has the shaggy like red hair. Yeah, uh, not the nasally one with like the uh, with the undercut and the uh, and the rat tail. <laughs> The rat tail. You're gonna make a comb with that rat tail. But, but yeah, that that episode was just yeah. kind of weird because <laughs> like, because Kate. That's when Casey loses his tiger spirit, and then like, uh, one has a funny bit with RJ where like RJ's telling him to basically tells him to work smarter, not harder, and um, you know, kind of just a, like telling him balance in all things, and then he says, "Oh, I'll race you to the top," and then Casey starts running, and RJ's just like, "Heh, classic." <laughs> He doesn't put it like that. I just remember. It. I I just was very entertained by the fact that RJ just made Casey run. Yeah, yeah it's like it's like oh yeah, I'll race you, and then just like I'm gonna go sit down. Oh, uh, but then has to like change into his wolf form, his wolf master form later because like that's when like uh Casey gets got. But then like after like yeah. 
after he, like, that kid's getting bullied for this entire episode, like, he gains the bully's respect when, like, he steps up to, like, help the rangers because he also has the tiger spirit and, like, can help them charge the, the blaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Casey had a lot of episodes with children, but that one really sticks out because it's, like, the bully just definitely has, like, the, like, the, the skit and K and Peel that was, like, the, the school bully just projected everything and said it yeah. out loud. And, and then, like, but also, like, like you said, the tiger spirit things. Yeah. Casey with children. And just, oh God, the fucking one. That, just to briefly touch back to the episode with the kid who steals his tips because he wants, he wants to buy a kite so bad. And I'm like, and it's like, that's like, that's what you're stealing tips for? Okay. Okay. It sounds like a kid thing, you know, you could, and in case it's like, you know, you could, you know, I mowed lawns for something and it's like. Uh, that's not as like com like at that point it's like ki- you know that's that's not as a thing you could do but kid you could go get some cra- candy bars and stuff yeah them. and then he eventually just gets like he gets hired to be a helper hired to be a helper yeah. for Casey by like charging twenty five cents to help like bus tables it's like kid you can do more than that there's an yeah. economy um uh, but yeah it's just it's just one of those things that it's like that was just such a weird episode because yeah it's like it's like for a kite like you could just you know like i'm pretty sure like you could figure out like a lemonade stand or i've I've seen kids hustle water like candy bars like all sorts of things you could have created and like no i'm gonna steal some dude's like nickel tip or something five dollars or something yeah it's like (sighs) but uh I guess the final thing, uh, so this was when I used to have a crappy, weird heterosexual life, as I like to call it, uh, I, I dated an asshole, I was actually engaged, um, and this was his favorite season, he was always really down on Power Rangers, like, he just fucking hated it, and only liked a few seasons, another one of his favorite was, uh, SPD, by the way, uh, uh, but, and he liked Sky, so SPD and he liked Sky. Yeah, you know, it's not like I like SPD, but like, like, but like one of the good characters. No, it was fucking Sky. I know I keep Um, saying ew, but ew. Yeah, he sucked. Uh, both Sky and my ex. Uh, but this was one of his favorites because he he was definitely one of those white guys, really, really in the martial arts. Yeah, I definitely remember that about him. Yeah, so he was really in love with the season and was like, "Why do people hate this?" and like. I kind of, it was like kind of a bad memory, I guess, because it was latched to this right. dumbass. And then, and then I watched it with Ashley, queerer than ever, with an equally queer person, and it was one of the, one of the best experiences. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, fuck you, yeah, you butt I'm, fart. I have uh, good memories And I'm better than your ex. <laughs> yeah, you're way better. Yes, so is true. Kurt. All right. And, and, so, and, and so, so was Coda, who replaced it. Who replaced yes. them. It's like, frankly, all three of your replacement uh, cats were better than your ex. Rest in peace, yes. Bondo, as well. So, so yeah, uh, I guess we're at, we're at our verdict. We ended up really loving this. No, oh, for sure. Definitely a loved it season. Yeah. Uh, this season, I, I always forget how much I love until I sit down and watch it. Uh, and it still holds up, like, since the last time I watched it. Like I mentioned, it was kind of probably around the time I, I broke up with my ex. Like, my ex mm-hmm. and I broke up. Uh, and unlike SPD, it h- holds up pretty, pretty well. Uh, the characters are all fun, and for once, it feels like everyone gets an arc, even if it's not tied into the main story. There's still personal yeah. growth um, that keeps them actually interesting. It doesn't feel like anyone was thrown to the wayside. 
Uh, the villain escalation was pretty good, and it, it kept you tuned in and entertained while not being too many cooks like we've seen in previous seasons. Um, and yeah, I'm very glad it got reassessed over the years. It's really fun. Go watch yeah, it. Yeah, not gonna lie. There's something about this series that I absolutely loved. The rotating door villains did get a bit stale after a while, but the central conceit was really cool. The characters are fun and really well-rounded and, you know, do get a chance to shine individually versus, like, we're gonna give them, like, an episode, but most of the lion's share will go to the Red Ranger. Um, and then the stories had an effective emotional pull with those regards, and there was a whole journey to be taken from beginning to end with everybody. It just reminds me of, like, how great and fun Power Rangers can be when it's good. And especially compared to last season, I really needed that. Yeah. All right, so that's it for this episode. Uh, we would like to thank Kate Nix for our theme song. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram at the Goblin Mother, and you can find all of her music and everything at katenix.com, where you can find her Bandcamp. Band yeah, merch, uh, closet champion, her um, her gear making business, and as well as her streaming. As of the publishing of this podcast, the Lullaby Lounge novelty hour is no more. But a new thing will be rising in its place next year, and you can still watch old episodes on Kate's YouTube channel, so stay tuned. Uh, we would also like to thank Joe Hunter for our art. You can find him on Instagram at Joe Bloody Hunter, as well as his Twitter and Patreon at Joe underscore Hunter. Uh, as well as uh, you can check out his comic Beast Heart Strikers that um, he creates uh, with writer Land Pitts at Comixology. And he also sells t-shirts um, and everything at JoeHunter.Threadless. From uh, those comics, they have a Taco uh, taco Corgi shirt. It's really great. He also showed up on a backup of Radiant Black issue number four, if you want to pick uh, order that from your local comic shop. We also like to thank Kurt Yoder for the editing. You can find him uh, at Great SG Creations on Etsy, as well as Great SG Pixels for his Etsy Twitter and the Great SG on Twitter. And now our wrestler of the podcast, the kick demon, Janai Kai. She is an up-and-coming wrestler that specializes in kickboxing and Muay Thai. She was recently ranked on PWI's 150 women's list. You can find her, uh, again, at Twitter at, at Janai underscore Kai. And she also has uh, basically uh, uh, with Kochi that has links to her Twitter, Instagram, uh, Patreon, and all that at withkoji.com slash at Janai underscore Kai. All right. And as always, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at Miss Kitty F. I use Twitter a little bit more. And my Twitter has a link tree to all of my shops and anywhere else you can find me on the internet, like my blog, which I rarely ever use now, or the shop where you can buy my masks. And currently I have some baby blankets and maybe we'll make some totes before the end of the year, but probably not. And that's ashley-leckwell.square.site. And uh, I also have my uh, itch.io account and also Gumroad. If you just search Ashley Leckwell there, it'll bring up digital versions of the comics and zines I've written as well. And you can find me on Twitter and at Instagram at VelociRiker. I use Twitter way more than Instagram. And I also have my stores, Twitter and Instagram, Coda's Crafts, as the store is Coda's Magical Crafts. And you can find that at Coda's Magical Crafts at Etsy. Um, and that's basically where you can find some soap and candles. Uh, and then you can also find us Ranger Splane um, on Twitter and Instagram, Patreon at Ranger Splane. WordPress is rangersplane.wordpress.com. 
You can find us wherever podcasts are available. If there is ranking with them, please give us five stars and a review to help us against yes, the, the algorithm. algorithm sucks. Please like review us. Next month, we're ending the year and getting in gear with the season y'all been waiting for, Power Rangers RPM. You know, you've barely told me anything about the season, so I don't know what to expect. Think Terminator Salvation, but not as depressing. Given how we both feel about Terminator Salvation, that can go so many ways. Hopefully good. Until then, stay safe and may the power protect you. Go. 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 Go.